0: And welcome to the Abandoned Theater Podcast for Speaker Screens at speakerscreens.tumblr.com. I'm your host as always, your, your co host as always, Robert Beck. Call me Robbie, call me whatever the hell you want. And with me as always is everyone else.
1: Bye.
2: I am TJ Dwayne. <laughs> that took a long, that took too long <laughs> I, to happen. <laughs> I know. I, I'm TJ Dwayne. I write for the blog, I speak on the podcast, and I exist. Hooray!
0: Yay. Yee! What about you, Danny? Oh,
3: good lord. Please tell me you're still here. Did he mute himself by accident? Oh, my gosh. Have uh, I been muted the whole time? Yeah!
0: You're <laughs> yes. muted! I was yeah, wondering
3: why it seems yeah. like you guys couldn't hear me.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got none of what you
3: just said. Well, really you. We promise. Have you heard <laughs> a word I said this entire call? Um, uh, What? Uh, like, hi. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's really funny. Yeah, I've been definitely talking for the past few minutes. <laughs> 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 We've just been going
0: on like normal.
3: Yeah, I was like, wow, they're really just kind of talking over me. <laughs> <laughs> <We're not>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Let's keep doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so here I am. Yes, I'm Danny. And, this is what happens
0: uh, when we record when we when we record on Skype, people.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm Danny, and uh, I, I guess I write for speakers and screens, but I haven't been doing much writing lately. Um, but I podcast, and I, I haven't
1: am. either. Really.
3: Yeah. Been too busy. Yeah, me too. Honestly.
0: Oh,
2: wow. All
3: right. That's cool stuff. Not, that, that's how, <laughs> we have that's how I am. Thousand
2: so. movies to talk about today.
3: Yeah, we're pretty stacked. Yeah, so, we haven't
0: uh, I think last time we did a podcast Fury was the big release. Um
2: Gone Girl, may I think? Maybe Gone Girl?
0: Yeah, Gone Girl. Well, yeah, no uh, well, no, but that was even that was a few weeks after Gone Girl came out. Good. Point. Oh, that's right, yeah.
3: So Fury was the big release like actually at the time you mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. we yeah. might have
0: we might have started with Gone No, we ended with Gone Girl because we did we did a spoiler thing. That's right. Awesome. Yeah, um, another yeah. big thing is interstellar interstellar tj how about you describe the plot of interstellar can we might as well just jump into it
2: i think it's a good idea uh interstellar is the latest movie from mainstream auteur christopher nolan it is a movie about matthew mcconaughey driving a lincoln into outer space much <laughs> um no it's about matthew mcconaughey playing an engineer and a pilot who pilots a mission to save the world featuring Anne Hathaway and two red shirts. Um, It's really, (laughs) I don't get that reference. It's It's a a Star Trek (laughs) reference. Um, But it's, it's about, it's about how, it's about a lot of things. Like I think Christopher Nolan likes to make movies about things. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he interjects. He like, he likes those ideas that, that Christopher Nolan. Yes. Oh yes, and and sometimes that does not rub uh, correctly on people. I don't know how I would phrase that better, but you know his version of Christopher Nolan rubbing on people. Uh, no, uh, uh, Christopher. The way he makes uh, blockbusters really works for me. I don't think he's the visual genius of Spielberg or the or Hitchcock, and I don't think his ideas are as um, Art, artfully executed as a Stanley Kubrick, but I think he does hold a special place in the arena of cinema, especially yeah. especially in the mainstream, because he's actually trying to work with ideas what a lot of other people, and a lot of other um, blockbuster filmmakers are not. Yeah. And he tends to cast his movies really well. Yes. Um, we don't have an Aaron uh, Johnson Tyler, whatever his name is, in this movie. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Oh,
0: Johnson. oh to Aaron Taylor-Johnson, yeah. Because
2: in this movie, we have Matthew McConaughey. Or,
0: who has this... or uh, a Chris
2: Hemsworth. No, not Chris
0: Hemsworth. What's the guy's name that was in oh. Pacific Rim? Uh, Charlie Yeah, Hunter. yeah. Oh. Yeah,
2: exactly. What we have here is Matthew McConaughey, who has this thing. It's very underrated. It's called charisma. <laughs> um, <laughs> And he can maintain interest for two hours and 50 minutes, like this movie does.
0: Well, not only um, charisma, well... I feel like we should talk about some of the, like, what happens. And the
2: nitty-gritty. So so the uh, only thing I've described is he goes out of space to save the world. So, Robbie, why is he trying to save the world? Because, because
0: <laughs> get this, in the future the Dust Bowl is going to happen again.
2: Yes. Again! Because of a blight that's killing all of our plant. Yeah, um, yeah
0: pretty much all we have is corn and, uh, I mean... So a lot of things are made out of corn. Batteries are made out of fucking corn at this point. <laughs> but, but that's not... We only have corn. We don't have water. We don't have grain. Uh, We're kind of screwed in that regard. So, it's, it's uh. Southerners of the world are pissed because okra's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Matthew McConaughey, you, you know, because he was trained to be an astronaut and then as the future has has gone people need farmers they don't need astronauts they don't need um scientists uh and but that's what Matthew McConaughey was uh before all this all this happened in his 30s or 40s uh but he gets a chance to go on an interstellar journey across <laughs> the, across the galaxy what would you say it's a galaxy or the universe or universe i would say like past, to, past the galaxy to a wormhole that has found its place near saturn i believe is the yes. specific planet um <clears throat> and and we're going to be a little bit more frank about the plot we might have a full spoiler section where we talk about the ending because i think we have interesting opinions on on mm-hmm. the ending um so we'll designate that time but until then we're kind of assuming that if you've wanted to see Interstellar, you've seen it by now. So, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get mad if we talk about, oh, I don't know. Let's say the wormhole or yeah. the giant wall of water or
2: there's one thing the we might want to say kind of. for the spoilers cast. <laughs> I don't know if it counts as a spoiler. The,
0: there's one. What one? There's what
2: casting choice.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, that we should avoid. Look, if you don't know, yeah. uh, it, you want to avoid it? Yeah, yeah
3: I, what, that one. That one. Yeah, yeah, that one might are, be still. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I still have friends that haven't seen it, so I, and I wouldn't want them to know, so
3: we yeah, won't reveal that.
0: But let's just say, spoilers. let's just say that not even not even him. There's a few other big, big name people that are in this movie that you don't know about if you've only seen the trailers. Mm. Like, um, I'll just say Topher Grace is in this movie at some point, and that doesn't come off as new. Doesn't come off nearly as badly as you think it would. <laughs> I, I want to punch him and, in his top. And I love Topher Grace, but he but he's he's in some garbage movies, like let's let's be honest. Eddie
2: Brock and <laughs> Spider Man
0: Three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, um but anyways this um what? And Matthew Mc... sorry I was gonna say that Matthew McConaughey has to leave his children behind. Yes, and but... that that's almost the th- the the th- that's almost the theme that Nolan wants to work with the most. I and, totally agree. Um, and it, it it's a surprisingly emotional movie. Like, the, there were people tearing up throughout, uh, and there were a couple of moments that got to me that got me kind of choked up. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically when it comes to, let's just say the relativity of time plays a big yeah. role in this yeah. film, and you get to see the emotional toll that that kind of... Uh, <clears throat> let's just say that kind of thing would have on people oh yeah the 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 unexpected emotional toll that you just don't think of when you think of space movies when you think of interstellar travel as a concept
3: yeah Mm -hmm. well there's a great quote from uh christopher nolan where um he says for me the film is really about being a father the sense of your life passing you by and your kids growing up before your eyes very much of what i felt Watching Richard Linklater's *Boyhood*, an extraordinary film, which is huh. weirdly doing the same thing in a completely different way. We are all engaged in the biggest mystery of all, which is just living through time.
0: Yeah, but the way Nolan does it in this film interjects, you know, the sci-fi into it, in and it makes it makes the magnification of that so much greater. And because mm-hmm. um, literally things happen that really should not be happening in it really could not happen in a normal lifespan like it's hard to talk about the implications of time in this film because it's better described in the movie than i could hear even though actually the the worm the black hole effect is actually in scientific fact is the opposite of the film but i understand why they went in that direction i'm not looking for scientific accuracy in this film or anything mm-hmm. like that yeah uh even though uh, a lot of scientists have praised it for certain aspects like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who could not stand gravity, um, <laughs> uh, you know, ha- ha made comments about this movie that – you know, about things that were done wrong in this movie that I don't really care about or agree with. But uh, had a lot of praise for some of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, I feel like we're just talking around some yeah, of the big so, issues
3: here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so what do you
0: guys think? Like,
2: Danny, uh, did you like Interstellar?
3: I did, um, and I'm honestly still. I think this is the one I'm least like um, clear on where I am on it overall. Yeah, me out too. Of all the films. Me, me
0: too, you especially know? especially since I've only seen it once. Yeah,
2: I've yeah, seen it twice, just, and it really plays well in the second. Yeah, know? I really have not uh, had
0: time to go back to the theater yeah. and see it again.
3: Yeah, um, but yeah, but certainly it's 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 dense, and it and it really like it tackles so many huge themes in a way that like um sometimes like kind of scratching my head at exactly how it's intending to come together um and uh you know i i mean it's it's hard to say well i'll have to i'll save some stuff for a spoiler section but um i think you know how we were talking about outside of the podcast but how rotten tomatoes always says like uh exceeds his grasp, or like they always yeah, use that yeah yeah, oh, God. yeah. reach exceeds his grasp, yeah, yeah, like the, I think that this one they say, like you know his intellectual actually, i'm right here, it says, uh even if it's intellectual reach somewhat exceeds its grasp, yeah, so this is one of those yeah. things where I'm like, all right, like you know it's a little bit a little bit like obviously it's simplistic, like reductive imminence of to me as consensus, but like I I could see where they're coming from. Like oh, yeah. it's it definitely. I think that's probably the probably the least confident part of the movie is just is working with those like really grand intellectual themes that also work with emotion and try to contrast like the science with all this emotion and I don't know the really you know complex plot with all this emotion because um, it, it and times it really worked for me. Like I agree, yeah. that there were times specifically, especially. With the the time, with the time, like literally uh, the you know of time passing by and watching how that affects people, that like really got to me. Um, yeah. Like honestly, I was near tearing up at like certain parts because that, that's just I was really, tearing yeah. up at,
0: at certain parts.
3: Yeah. I mean, um, Matt, I mean Matthew McConaughey. I wouldn't say it's
0: his greatest performance or anything, but he's really reliable at lending a an emotional gravitas. Exactly. Uh, and really, y- you feel for him as a father. Yeah. No, totally. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he, he, here's, my thi- here's my thing with Nolan, if you don't mind me interjecting.
3: Oh, uh, sure. Uh, here's my
0: thing with Nolan. I think in the past, cu- in the past couple of his movies, I- I'd say ever since Inception, um, he's become less uh, – I don't want to say completely less willing, but a little less willing to – um leave things unexplained or un um how do i say it unresolved for his audience yeah. i don't like as big and as sometimes confusing as this movie can be i by the end and i'm uh, this is vague enough that i don't need, this isn't a spoiler thing i think he sets up a lot of things and doesn't quite deliver on them or just mm, goes for a safer route. I don't I don't want to completely crap on him yeah for where where he goes cuz cause maybe cause maybe what he wanted is different than what I do. Yeah, maybe he wanted to go for a more Spielbergian mm-hmm. kind of thing but still have the intellectual gears running, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm much more um I don't feel like he's giving the audience the spinning top anymore. The spinning top mm-hmm. from Inception, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he's definitely going for. Um, I I wanted to avoid using the word safer, but that
3: the falling top.
0: Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's almost as if at the end of Inception, you just see the top falling, and yeah. that's fine. I mean, Leo DiCaprio still ends up with his kids. Um, there is a certain level of uh, just natural. Happiness you see when a character that you likes
3: gets—I'm
0: straight up spoiling the ending at this point.
3: <laughs> why don't we just—why don't we just officially call it the spoiler section right now? Yeah, be, yeah because doing, I think we're all doing a lot of dancing around. Yeah, there's two minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, okay.
3: Um, ten minutes? Spoiler do you guys think? Or...
0: Uh,
2: yeah, we'll say ten minutes, but we'll timestamp it properly on the. Yeah, yes, yeah, right. so that way we don't so... have to constrict it ourselves. Spoilers. Okay, section. I'm welcome to the spoiler section. All right,
0: <laughs> all right, now. <laughs> Okay, all listeners, listeners, are you listening to me right now? Are you listening to me right now? Okay, I'm setting the timer for 10 minutes. We might go that full length, or we might not. So either skip forward 10 minutes, or look in the info box, the info description, and it will have the exact timestamp of when the spoiler section for Interstellar starts, and when it ends, okay? So, 10 minutes starting now. So... Yeah, when he when he when Matthew McConaughey lives and reunites with with his family, I'm not inherently against that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like th- they set up a really they set up a, no one sets up a situation where, um, you know, going the distance and having McConaughey die um, or s- sacrifice himself for a nobler thing and not get this. Not get the tidy reenact, um, not reenactment, a uh, meeting with his daughter at the end. Um, I'm not gonna say it's a bad way to end the movie. I'm not gonna go that far. A lot of critics have. Um, it's it's certainly a way to end the film. It's not the one I would have chosen. Um, mm-hmm. and even then, there's some weird stuff going on, like. Um, like, the very last shot of the movie was like, you're really ending the movie here? It's kind of weird. Like, when he talks to Matt, Anne Hathaway again, because they haven't really built a really strong relationship between those two characters in the film. At least, I, I didn't feel that way. So, mm-hmm. when it ended with her saying, oh, come back and discover this new plan with me, it's like, well, <clears throat> well he, he was already out for years. I mean, let him spend some time with his dying daughter for a second, man. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: isn't that more of a – wasn't that uh, – uh, what's her face? Ellen Burstyn's wish, though. It was uh, Murph's yeah, sure. wish that that he continued to be the hero, that he continued to go expand farther than man oh, has ever well, done. That's a good so, point. That's a good well, point. Like, well, I mean, the only reason I, – I mean, I, I have read some very well-written reviews and uh, that – it is sort of weird how he spends all of trying to get back to Murph, but then the second he does he goes forward. But then by that point, uh I well, the, the reason I went along with it is sort of because uh Murph is like aged. Like it's not the same Murph. It's it's like it's a different version of Murph, but he did to get to see her so he got that win. But his job as the pilot as this adventurer is to go back where Brand is and sort of continue with that I mean that just seemed really quick for me and it
0: had already reached the 2 hour and 49 minute mark at, by that point so it was yeah. almost like I okay if if you're not going to give if you're not going to give that development all that time then just don't end the movie there like yeah I, like I felt it had a better place to end
2: right like, before I, that I, but I don't I mean, know if I, um I don't know I, I, Danny what do you think but I don't know if killing if, if matthew mcconaughey uh dying in space would have been the proper ending for what the movie was going for in well, terms mayb- of well
0: maybe maybe not dying but um just like like the all is lost ending
2: where it's ambiguous
0: <laughs> per- perhaps or maybe just like i'm not sh- i'm not sure honestly <laughs> is what i'm trying to say I'm and not, that's not very, that's not, very that's, that's, for, that's not a very confident thing for it's not a very confident thing for basically an amateur film critic to say. I mean, that's kind of a pretentious <laughs> name to put on myself. But, you know, I, I do put a lot of stock onto this, into this podcast and I do oh, yeah. try to deliver the best and and the most fair kind of reviewing I can. But for this movie, it's just, it's hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: it's it's problematic, you know. I, I think even, even people that like it admit that it's problematic. And I think mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of, there's, but there's a lot of things it does right as well, and it's hard to weigh weigh all of that for me, um, mm-hmm. because I do feel like I do feel like this isn't Nolan's best film or his most concise film, but in some ways it might be his most important film as far as the ideas go, or mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe that maybe that would be going too far too. I don't know. Someone else talk. I'm well, rambling. Okay. I'm rambling at
3: this point. Yeah, it's okay. One thing I, I, I wanna admit, like that makes it hard for me to talk about this film, is that uh, admittedly I'm not a hundred percent sure on exactly what it's trying to say thematically. Yeah. Uh, I think I that's mean, where it gets muddled. And and it's hard for me to distinct like to determine whether I like the ending or not because I don't yeah, same know here. exactly what I think it's trying to say so I don't know how well I feel like it, it, it contributes to that I could pick out some themes and ideas and like kind of I don't know some some of it's like thesis but it just a, you know it, it gets a little muddled and I'm curious for TJ to see if you were clear on what you felt it was, it was trying to say
2: <laughs> I think that uh, for me the ending is most definitely about the human I mean it's sort of like a movie about Christopher Nolan making this movie in ways sort of like How the Dark Knight Rises can be read as the movie about Christopher Nolan reluctantly making a third uh, Batman movie, but how this movie is sort of about human beings trying to achieve everything, trying to leave the planet, trying to conquer the universe, and sort of this sort of and then the physics behind that, even though it we may fail. Um, even though it may fall back in our face, like in in many aspects of this movie, we do fail. I think, uh, Matt Damon's character speaks to the sort of, um, failed ambition that a lot of us have. And I know a lot of smart people, including my wife, who have a lot of issues with the Matt Damon section. And for me, it, like, at first I was resistant, but it ultimately works for me because I feel like he's the, he's sort of a foil for Matthew McConaughey, because he he makes it for him, but Matthew McConaughey sort of makes the, he makes the mission about him. Well, Matthew McConaughey makes the mission about what we haven't achieved yet. And and, and by, by the time we get to the Tesseract, and a sort of very interesting way to sort of describe how to look at time on a plane, um, we get to this Matthew McConaughey coming to terms with that sort of that bigger than yourselves the, us pushing towards the future us always trying to progress as opposed to us being more self-centered maybe um even um so i think what the movie is is, is a call to arms for uh science scientific discovery because
0: yeah it's, it's very pro science <laughs> yeah and, and,
2: and i think ways. that i think that's why him i i mean i know you're not saying that he should have uh, the ending should have been him dying uh Robbie, I, I totally understand that, but that would be my resistance to that potential ending because I think that would undo the idea like him going into space on his x wing or whatever w- with his little r two d two or tardis or whatever yeah. like is sort of the, the like the crowning achievement it is a nice ending, so and I think all of us are sort of resistant to endings that are too nice yeah but i think it does, That's true i think it yeah. i think it does fit exactly with what it's saying like. There's still a story to tell no one's not going to make interstellar two um but there's still story to tell our our story does not end with this one mission, however important it it is so I think like and also the theme of love like what what ultimately motivates McConaughey other than the sense of discovery uh and the sense of advancing is is love and I know Robbie has a few issues with how that's executed um and probably oh. it uh I don't know. Well, uh, well um, like, what do you like? What do you think I'm about
0: to, about to say? Because I, I don't remember, honestly. <laughs> oh, uh,
2: just as clumsily executed. Like a lot of people cite the Anne Hathaway speech, which Anne Hathaway actually sells for oh, me. Oh, oh,
0: that, that's, ter- that's terrific. Oh, that, and she's I mean, like, I, you know, oh, I I'm, love, it, feel it, you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: Hathaway <laughs> sells it for me I to mean, be honest. Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it's terrific for that. You reminded me because, I mean, yeah, call call me cynical, but I'm not sure. I told. I mean, I love Nolan's ideas about quantifying things because that's what a lot of his movies his past movies have been about.
2: Memento is a very is about, atheistic filmmaker in that way. He's a very scientific filmmaker. He's very um, yeah, like yeah. logic and Memento
0: Memento is about quant you know, organization and quantifiability of memories. And Inception. Inception, Inception does the same thing about dreams and yeah. and also about memories within your dreams. You know that's what the whole Marion Cotillard character is all about.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: film is about time and love being quantifiable, and uh, as much as I don't get the whole bookcase thing and kind of wish that that went into a little bit of a different direction as well, I like the idea of. Uh, well, first of all, just the visual idea of that scene—the scene where he goes in and he he sees all of time just as a thread, like a literal
1: mm-hmm.
0: thread of. Images like it's weird for me. To, I, I can't talk about it because it's such a visual moment, um, sure. and I like his ideas of that about that. Um, where I don't, where I find an issue, uh, other issues of this with this film, it, it kind of goes back to the fact that I think that Nolan ha- has changed a little bit in the past few years, and I think he's. I don't know if it's a writing thing or a directing thing, but. There are some. There are just some decisions that are sloppier than I would like, and mm-hmm. there. There's a lot of that. Not a lot, but there's quite a few examples in the Dark Knight. Like, how does he get back from the hole and all that? Blah blah. blah That's nitpicking, but like, there's similarly. Wow, we just gone ten minutes. Wow. We'll go, let's go five. Let's go five more. Yeah, that should be um, good. Um. Well, let's just just try to wrap it up in like. Three or four minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll just put the timestamp. Um, ah, God damn it, I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. Right. The, no, but, but
2: we were talking about I, his quantifying... I mean, I'm
0: just saying... I just think that there's some weird writing mistakes in this movie. Um, yeah. Like, for for example... Um they go to the whole movie without a, without really directly addressing what a wormhole is. We'll just kind of assume what it is. Then right they before do they give go us into a the nice wor- visualization of that. No, the but here's the thing. It's at it's at a really inappropriate time. Why would you then explain to the audience what a wormhole is right before you go into the wormhole? They would have that conversation much earlier in the film. Hmm. And oh, yeah, I mean yeah, just yeah, I, like I mean you can call it nitpicking if you want, but it just feels like that felt like a roadblock, like a like a detour to me that we didn't need well not that we didn't need but we could have used earlier but then later in the film there's a lot of weird stuff going on that no one doesn't feel the sense feel the need to explain at all like Jessica Chastain burning down the farm and all the stuff that that um Casey Affleck is is up to a lot of, a lot of those moments um even though i kind of liked the, the dreamy elliptical the the way it was shot cuz it wasn't so it wasn't so explained and it was from Matthew McConaughey's perspective, and time is different for him and everything. Mm. But it it was just a lot of confusion for me. So, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that far to explain a wormhole, then what about this stuff? I mean, I just felt I found a lack of consistency in that. That I found a little bit frustrating. Um, but that's that's probably just might might just be me. Who knows.
2: Mm. A lot of the emotional beats work for me in terms of the chest. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I um, think, this, I think like, this
0: movie's heart is in its right place, and
2: emotionally, yeah.
0: it 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 resonates with me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Idea. And um, and and to speak for its craft, I think it's the best science. Uh, it's the best special effects movie of the year by far, and and mm-hmm. I really like Apes quite a bit. And um, but I'm, this movie, I'm uh, almost
0: inclined to agree about the special effects part. Yeah,
2: it's mm-hmm. like the docking scene. Just blows my mind. It's yeah. I, um, was, I rem-
0: was. Remind me which one that is.
2: <gasps> the one where he's like, uh, where Matt after Matt Damon dies, and and Matt McConaughey says, oh fuck it, we're gonna we're gonna dock anyway. Oh, huh? alright. Yeah. Oh, it just yeah. like I was on the edge of my seat, and Hans Zimmer's score, it just it just it's the most exciting five minutes. Is that of- the part where there's the they're going in between York? two
0: they're going in between two walls of ice and. They're no, they it, it's been, um, something else. Fuck.
2: They're in outer space, yeah. And Matthew McConaughey blew the hatch and dies, and now he they have Matt, to Matt still. Matt Damon. That Damon.
1: Does, yeah. Matt
2: Damon. Sorry, sorry, Matthew Matt Damon does that, and, and McConaughey and Hathaway and their two robots have to still attach to that ship in order to get Hathaway to the next planet. And okay,
0: I will pay sp- particular attention to that next time I see this movie because I'm I'm still lost. Uh, I other, remember, other, I remember, other than I Matt Damon talking. dying, because yeah. the visual moments I remember the most is when they go through uh, when they go through the wormhole. That was pretty yes. spectacular. Oh, oh that it, was amazing!
3: Absolutely.
0: And, and like, uh, you you two saw this in IMAX, right? I yeah,
3: I it did wasn't not a film, but I, I saw a digital IMAX. Okay, okay
0: well,
2: I saw a fake
0: IMAX. Yeah, I I I was going to see it in real so 60 70 millimeter IMAX, uh, yeah, but so. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't end up going to that, but I did. Uh, see it in 70 millimeter in Hollywood. Oh wow. Uh, so uh,
3: I really want I ah uh, gosh. I I came really close to going yeah. to San Francisco to, to see it. Yeah, and,
0: and that was so, in a, that was the know. That was at the that was at the Cinema Dome, which is this famous um th- this famous theater. Now it's attached to the Arc Light in Hollywood um and it's this big it's a it's a really big room. Like it's not it's not as gigantic as an actual theater you know like where they show plays and shit <laughs> you know it's not like a gigantic movie house but it was it's a pretty big theater and it's a round it's a really round screen and they showed the trailer for inherent vice in 70 millimeter too that was pretty cool huh
2: that's
0: great yeah um
2: right. yeah. Uh, dan any last thoughts on interstellar yeah
3: um i guess like i'm sorry to not contributed more to the, the discussion of it i guess yeah, i feel just... i I'm, I'm not proud of myself either because i feel like i should have said more yeah i know that's okay but um i guess i i just do feel it's like a little bit muddled but honestly i want to reiterate though that or, or iterate i don't even think i said in the beginning that i am very positive on this movie i enjoyed it quite a bit um you know i i think it's pretty great i just think that like i i kind of got hung up on the issues because there's just so many like kind of like little ones that amount to like something I felt like needed to that be pile up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's but how I mean, the dark, well, that's how
0: the dark night rises is for me too. It's a, it's yeah. a lot of like, that's my, that's my thing with Nolan nowadays, I guess, is that he makes little mistakes maybe in the service of his bigger picture, but yeah, he's a little bit neglectful in how many he makes. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I feel, I don't want to be too hard mm-hmm. on him because I like the fact that he consistently aims high
3: yeah, which is way um, more preferred to to just kind of. Him I mean, it, trust really.
0: me i i I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give a thumbs up to Benji the Hunted, and give a thumbs down to um, Full Metal Jacket. You see, does it? Does anyone get my reference? Yeah, uh, uh, Ebert. It's, it's a Siskel and Ebert reference. Oh, yeah. that's the whole thing where he was like, "Well, it's a kids' movie," and
3: yeah, it works yeah. yeah. Movie. that's right. I forgot about
0: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Siskel <laughs> said something that that actually sticks with me, like. Doing something like that, and and I agree, and I agree with him. I'm not not afraid to admit that I fully agree with him in that situation. You don't reward a movie for aiming low and hitting. Yeah. And you don't. Well, if a movie aimed high and colossally missed, then that's another issue. That's a different story. But but I don't. You know, if you aimed high and you don't quite hit the bullseye, bullseye, then I'm still going to give you a lot of credit.
3: Exactly and that's what interstellar is it's it's really really ambitious and I'm still recommending it to people because I think it's pretty great on several levels um you know i there's just it just kind of doesn't always i mean like I said like one thing too that I, I was noticing is the whole thing with like oh how love like transcends uh you know i, I don't know <laughs> that's what I was
0: about about to say it, I'm not it into, just gets... I'm not into the whole idea of like love is the one thing that can transcend time and space. Like, uh, like I know this is kind of, your sp- you're kind of trying to be your Spielberg picture, but that's a little too schmaltzy for me, dude. It was like, just, like, love it was, it me. Love and gravity can transcend time. That's, that's okay. Yeah, that was true. Um, yeah, that's true. But I feel like, gr- I, um, are we really about to compare this to gravity right now? <laughs> Cause I'm, <laughs> Because that's a conversation that I really don't have any interest in at all. No,
2: Gravity the Force, not Gravity the movie.
0: Oh, okay. I yeah, thought. Yeah, no, I knew, what you, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Gravity in the movie. I'm like. No, no, no. Oh, no they say really, that. In the film. We're really they about. Say- we're really about to do the whole. ooh, Interstellar is so much better than Gravity. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> that's <laughs> really that's like, not a conversation that's not a conversation I care about. Just because. Just because two movies take place in space doesn't. <laughs> n- n- I mean, no one's saying. Oh, it's it's fine, but it's nowhere near as great as Space
3: Cowboys. <laughs> Oh, no, it's like I, a, every time a, a prestigious uh, science uh, space movie comes out, they're always like, oh, it could be the new 2001: A Space Odyssey." I mean, like, it's just come on, you know. This is not. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I don't stop, know. stop, yeah. please. <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: but, but
2: um, I I think the last.
3: thing... It's like gonna...
0: saying that 12 Years a Slave wasn't as good as as good as Django Unchained because they were both about black people. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> about slavery in a sense, but anyway. I was
3: gonna say, well, but black people in a certain situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyler Perry's Temptation, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor <laughs> is nowhere near as good as 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> and those two movies are both about black people. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so but, really um,
0: need to, we, need, we, need, we really need to move on. I, yeah, I will sorry. say
2: about Interstellar that I do recommend the second watch because I was also I, was, of,
0: I will see it another time.
2: Um, I liked it. I mean I, I really liked that the first time. But then a lot of those disparate parts and, uh, are sort of fit together, the second watch. And, and and the, and the illusions to like Reds, uh, like the, the the whole documentary aspect of the movie early on and at the end. Oh, that was
3: cool! I liked that a lot. I yeah, and, I like that. I like it's how a it reference comes back to together. a Warren
2: Beatty's uh, 1980 film Reds or 1982 oh. film Reds, and it's, it's, it's a awesome. very nice little illusion. Uh, but also like 2001 Star Wars and all the other illusions, and everything just sort of co- like fits together on that second watch. And and some and you'll be I think pros and cons you'll be able to. Articulate exactly the way you feel about the movie better on the second watch.
3: But, Perhaps, yeah. Yes. Just, just a quick thing I want to mention. Um, just a couple like. We're done with this. Spo- uh, 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 do we need? Uh, are these? No, no, we're, we're, we're done. With, well, yeah, I don't know. It was just a couple moments with the score that I like because. Um, Tj, can you dot down the? T- oh wait,
0: no, never mind. I'll, I'll tell you the time when I when I end the podcast.
3: Yeah, let me. Yeah, I'll just. It doesn't even matter anyway. I, Spoilers just, are done, by the way. If you're just clicking yeah. on now. Um, I just want to mention that the music, like the one issue people have is the sound like drowning out the dialogue. Oh yeah, the sound design, yeah.
0: the sound, or the, the sound
3: mixing rather is yeah is one of the is a problem that yes. yeah yeah yes,
0: so. and and I have heard people
3: I I think I heard the- and seeing
0: the- it in the big dome theater with the surround sound and shit that um you could definitely tell a little bit more so it's not really. If if the sound is a little fucked up in your screening, it's not really the theater's fault.
3: Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I know. It's, it's, the movie is mixed that way. And I heard that Christopher Nolan said, like, well, you don't really need good dialogue. Like, you you don't really need to know uh, what dialogue is, Like, kind of thing.
0: Like, and I, and I'm in, mixed in, on in that. a way, yeah, but the, uh, you might as well just make it – you might as well just make him not speak. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was going to say. The dialogue I, is so unimportant to you in yeah. a space movie, then uh, go – then –
3: Ugh, throw it out. Yeah, what? I mean that's what I was mixed on that because I'm like, oh, on the other hand that's kind of, you know, kind of ballsy that you would like put the music that high and and kind of emphasize that. And, you know, and it's true that the dialogue in those scenes wasn't really essential. On the other hand though, I think it it was another one of those things where like the execution was kind of off because it it was uh like it, it felt half committed, you know. It's like, well there's still dialogue here. And you know, like I'm still trying to hear it. And like, it, there, if you really want to commit to that idea, you could drown the dialogue so much that it's obvious that that's happening, <laughs> rather than yeah. just like, me straining to hear it and being like, "Oh." It's just or just have them not creator. talk. Just have the sti- yeah. Or just not ta- Exactly. Just have the story <laughs>
0: mostly told in a visual sense, and I think that exactly it's still told in a, a very visual sense. But then you have people talking, and that's where the problem. That's where yeah. there's
3: problems when people start yeah. talking and shit. Yeah, but but on the plus plus side, though, I wanted to say that. um, the score, I agree, is is pretty great, and yeah. uh, I wasn't even really expecting to really love it because Hans Zimmer is like so ubiquitous and has yeah. is kind of becoming yeah. like the standard Hollywood sound at this point.
0: Brum. But yeah,
3: <laughs> but I felt like he he had some, it some. was just, this one was particularly good, and um, yeah. there were a couple and moments. Different. It, and yeah, different. it wasn't just it wasn't just trying to do the blah yeah. thing. And yeah, wasn't, no, there was he, a lot and of and He like, wasn't he doing of, Inception like, again. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's two two moments that stuck out to me, and one of them was when, uh, or maybe it's just no, yeah, it was two moments. One of the biggest one was when he's uh, Matthew McConaughey's character is watching the the message from Murph, yeah. and uh, the the music is, is like really emotionally resonant moment. The music is, is blaring, uh, and then as soon as the the video like shuts off, the music stops like yeah. in the middle of like a bar. And it has that perfect feeling of just like an emotional moment interrupted um mm-hmm. and the other moment was this character uh well, <laughs> there's a moment where let's just say the the space uh they go out into like the camera cuts to go out into space if I remember correctly, or something like that I don't know something something happens where the, where it signifies something going into space. And then the the sound cuts immediately, yeah. and it's like a perfect um, way to portray that idea. Um, I had to also, get big again, but anyway,
2: a uh, uh, one aspect where, where the sound design is great is when McConaughey calms down uh, one of the other astronauts by letting him listen to what he's listening on his headphones, and it's the sound of rain. And then you oh, just yeah. see the, you just see Saturn, and then the sound of rain, and That's it's just right. a beautiful, short, quick, subtle, wonderful moment by that you normally don't get from Christopher Nolan. I liked it a lot. Sure. I'm really yeah.
3: dumb because I don't remember that. Out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm dumb too. <laughs> I just wanted to mention those two specific moments and just say overall I am positive on this movie. I recommend it. I think it's very ambitious and worthwhile, even if it's not perfect in execution. Okay, we're already 40 minutes
0: in, so we gotta we gotta okay. move on.
3: Now because we're really because we're really late,
0: we're we're covering a lot of older movies that may maybe in the theater near you, because may still be in the theater near you, because the next movie we're, we're getting to is still near me, but uh, some of these might have been might be gone from your area, so. Next, we're going to be talking about the new film from Alejandro G. Inarritu, Birdman. Anyone uh, who wants to describe the plot, the plot of Birdman,
2: go for it, Danny.
3: Okay, um, so it's about uh, my character uh, Michael Keaton, who was uh, formerly a big star in a superhero film called Birdman. Uh, does recalling... that sound
0: what is that? Does that sound yes. familiar? Yeah, recalling
3: recalling Batman, obviously. Um, that the real life Michael Keaton started back when Tim Burton was directing his films, and um, anyway, and then he's kind of fallen from grace, and he's trying to get himself back on track by mounting a play, a Raymond Carver adaptation, um, and this is a film shot in a series of about a, probably a dozen or so long takes, approximately, that are strung together via um, I don't know, just the strung together, and- to, yeah exactly, it's shown together to look like one long take Yeah. Um, so I just want to get that out of the way because there's a lot of, I want to kind of discuss in this one um, so I first yeah. open it up to you guys
2: uh,
3: TJ, you go birdman
2: <laughs> is an interesting case because it's a critically acclaimed movie it's going to be an awards player unlike maybe Interstellar who's only going to be up for technical nominations probably for various awards groups like tomorrow is going to be the New York Film Critics and they might go for it Bur- uh, Birdman has been a prestige movie, and for me it's a weird prestige movie. Like, I don't feel like it feels like a lot of the movies we've had, except for maybe like Tarantino's Django, like, which is more playful and raucous and profane than the typical. Um, even um, though this is
0: still pretty pretty profane. What? Anyway, even though this is still a little profane and kind of obvious, oh, yeah. obviously more comedic. That's yeah. what I'm saying,
2: is that this movie and that movie both have that, or like Wolf of Wall Street, or even American House a little bit, where they have this sort of, like, edgier aspect to them. So this is a weird awards movie to me, but I think a lot of that goes to the technical prowess. And But for being so critically acclaimed, this movie is very divisive among certain people, especially if you read The Dissolve recently. They completely butchered it but with an opening sentence along the lines where Scott Tobias says... Um, that Alejandro González and Yaritu is a fraud. Um, pretentious fraud. A pretentious yeah. fraud, yes, yeah, my yeah. favorite yeah. Word. But, <laughs> to me, the movie works, and I'm not a Babel... Yeah, it fan. does. Uh, I'm not a Babel fan, and it works because I read... I'm not a fan
0: of Amoris Paris, which is the one that, uh, that everyone seems to at least agree, this is the good one.
2: You know, yeah. Uh, that's why a
0: lot of people... And then, you know, I don't begrudge anyone for liking it, but... It just I think Andy and I are both, stuff, there's, there's are both stuff, pretty
2: positive on that one. Yeah, but,
0: yeah, yeah. There's stuff I like about that movie, but then there's stuff that, uh, you know, a lot of it <clears> that, just doesn't, that just doesn't work for me.
3: Yeah, yeah and well, like... I, mean, I do like Birdman a lot more, personally. Um,
0: the, yeah,
3: yeah. The, the self-serious does um,
2: does fit here, but for me, I think Iñárritu is making more of a comment on himself, if anything. And I feel, yeah. like, I, I feel like here he's willing to, to make fun of himself and, and admit that he's not going to really change because he yeah. doesn't, he's not going to tell a story in a way that's untrue to the way he tells stories. Now, that's not for everyone. If some, I'm not going to yeah. begrudge anyone who says Birdman is a pretentious piece of shit. I just don't think it is a pretentious piece of shit. And if it yeah, is, no. I think it's sort of a pretentious piece of shit on purpose. Mm. I feel like it's a playful movie, and I found it a lot more fun than a lot of the people who thought it was a little self-serious. And I think a lot of that goes to Keaton, Norton, and Stone. Sure. I think that the actors do a lot of and Lubetsky, uh the cinematographer. I think they do a lot of hard work in making this a fully realized movie that is fun, dark and naughty in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. I th- I might um okay, well, if we're going to if we're going to comment on the whole dissolve thing, I I'm not going to tell them how to run their site. I I mean, I really love oh. I re- I really love the dissolve. I love I, I think they write uh, sort of movie news pieces in a more interesting way than a lot of a lot of other movie sites. Yeah, no, they're and absolutely they're wonderful. and they're definitely not uh like like what what I can really stand are movie sites that are solely comic book obsessed. The right, dissolve and- is definitely definitely that. not that. Like they gave an essential rating to like the new chiming lang film and mm-hmm. you right. you're really deep in the art in the art film world if you're if you're going to go that far, but um Here's the thing, as you know, even though I really admire Scott Tobias and I think he's a great writer, I think if he's that opinionated about Alejandro and Yar and if he's gonna write the review in that way, it would have been, because he's like the main editor of the site, right? Yeah, I believe tot- so. Yeah, he, I think it would have been, it would have been yeah. more wise of him to. Give that to someone else. Give that review to someone else. Mm. I mean, that's just that's just me. Maybe he was really eager to let the world know how he felt, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really gonna. I, mean, I, I I mean, and I have those movies too. Like I I have no qualms about how I how how much I hate Dallas Buyers Club, for example. Yeah. Like, and I'm not. Well, I don't feel the need to hide that or anything.
2: Well, I mean. The reason I'm happy he wrote it is because it added some nice conversation because Birdman could yeah. have been the movie where everyone gushed over. And, and to be honest, as of this second, it's one of my top five favorite movies of the year. Cool. But I would have hated for it to have been... Uh, Safe, get, safer,
0: yeah. safer and more crowd-pleasing. It's, yeah, crowd, well, it's crowd-pleasing in a way. Like, it's but, in, in a fun type of way, not in a... um. I'm going to be really safe and try to win
2: awards type of way. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm glad people are taking it to task because I don't want any uh, movie to be, if a movie is beloved by everyone, it's pro- there's probably something wrong with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I've even read great takedowns of boyhood and yeah, boyhood no. is, is close to critically perfect as you can get.
1: All right. And,
2: no. and like, I'm glad that there's been some pushback to Birdman because I think it leads interesting conversation. I think it's a worthwhile conversation having if Inyoritsu is a hack or if he's using his craft to tell stories that we that are good, even on the basic level, good and bad, the basic binary. Like, are his stories good? And in the end, I don't think I think Birdman kind of breaks that down and sort of exists on a as something that is entertaining and something that has a nice comment on, on what it means to be a good movie or well, to have a successful career as an artist. Mm. Well,
0: well here, well, 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 here's my thing. Okay. I'm yeah. kind of done talking about the acclaim or what, yeah. what anyone else thinks. Cool. I, I might, if I were to compare my views to other people's, I might be a l- just a touch less excited, excited than everyone else. I still really dig it. I still think, uh, I still like where Inyaratu is going with this movie. Um, and I especially love just like... Not even the first act. I'd say like the first half was just really invigorating. And, um, you know, some things about... Uh, I mean, people are talking about how Iñárritu's changed so much in this movie, he's found a light side. He's, he's I mean, for me, n- de- there are definitely t- big differences between this and his previous films. But not... As big as I as I found, because I think that a lot of his main tr- the way he does things is generally still the same for me. Not not the same, but similar in that the imagery is really on the nose, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the acting is for the most part the, the acting, and the emotions of the film are turned up to ten. <laughs>
1: I would argue that it works in this the imagery is on the nose, literally. No, at the no, no, the I'm,
0: about, I'm I'm getting to that. Yeah, I'm getting to that. Sure. But the, here's the thing, because a, lo- a lot of a lot of his past films have been about social realism, and, and for me, a lot of that theatricality just doesn't work with that. Like, I don't want to tell someone how to make a genre that they can't do a certain genre a certain way. I mean, but it 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 doesn't it doesn't jive with me as well. Here, he's making a film about the theater. And that's where all those qualities the, the that's where all the qualities in his wheelhouse can be put on display and given the best use I think because um I mean I'm not going to say oh I was in theater, but you know I, I did high school theater and stuff and I'm, I was around a lot of people that took that took it seriously and took themselves frankly very seriously and even even though it might not be the most accurate depiction of theater uh, of Broadway I thought it worked for what he was trying to do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and um you know for being such a theatrical movie it plays out like a play that's why the they have these these long takes and these transitions that are just it's lightning quick and you need to have actors that are capable capable of that and even actors that you wouldn't expect to be great have really nice moments, like Zach Galifianakis, and yes. um, a lot of people would talk about Edward Norton. This is the best he's been in a long time, and mm. probably because, partly because he's taking the piss of himself of being the serious mm. Edward Norton actor.
2: Hmm. I feel like he's been really playful here in Wes Anderson movies lately. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely.
3: Yeah,
2: he's done
3: a good job with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to uh, discuss a lot of that. Um, those cinematic aspects beyond the acclaim too. Um, And, and one of them is the cinematography and like how I think it's easy to say, Oh, you know, it's gimmicky. You're like, Oh, it's showy or whatever. I just, I personally found that all of the like kind of indulgences or at least like the large majority of them (laughs) work for me thematically. And, and for example, the long takes work for me in the sense, like you said, it's like a, like a play. And it also gives the sense that the characters are all always performing and, um, even when they're backstage, they're always performing in some way or another. Um, and, uh, and, and they're uh, all, they're all pretty dramatic.
0: Yeah. Like, pretty and, dramatic, um, like an
3: dramatic in, in,
0: in a good, in, in a good way.
3: Yeah. And, and even like the, the music, the, the drums, like how the drums <laughs> sometimes like uh, cross the line between diegetic and non-diegetic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that. You really like, like that word diegetic. I've been doing lately. Do I? Do I say that a lot?
0: I don't know. Is that what you said? I, I, I've noticed it uh, uh, or quite just a bit in general. Um, a little bit in general. in general. I've just noticed it quite a bit. I just noticed you using it. Yeah, interesting.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's. I think it's relevant. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because totally, uh, totally yeah, um, I don't know. It gives a sense of like the the aspects of like art kind of being like inextricably interwoven with their life, the actors' lives. You know, yeah, and how like it's become. It's become like something that just. <laughs> That's like really where they get their – that's just really like what what their lives are at this point. Um, and, and a lot of people – and this is – I guess I don't know if we want to do like vague spoilers for the ending um, because I know a lot of people are, discuss, are like confused about that actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know about like critics but I know like theater goers. Um, I'm kind
0: of the, in the interest um, – it's kind of like an Interstellar where I don't know how I feel about it because at first the ending I, I thought it was a, I thought – not that it was a cop out, but it just seemed like uh, that's kind of anticlimactic like i don't mm. first of all i don't believe that it would happen and i i just didn't i didn't buy it but then when i talked to t i talked to t j actually about it,,
3: yeah. and
0: he has an- inter- interesting interpretation, and it made me think may- maybe I read it wrong, and yeah but <laughs> by the way, if you watch movies, I think you need to be willing to admit if you might have read something wrong or yeah if sure. you um should watch a movie again, because I think I think too many critics are just about, no, I already know how I feel. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm already right. Well, human
2: beings in general feel that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Yeah. But I'm, e- even with movies like Birdman that I don't think are nearly as uh, austere or difficult as a lot of art movies that I tend to watch, I'm willing to admit that maybe I missed a couple things. But... Um, just one of my one of my, pro, one of my problems that I just want to get out of the way is that I feel like, and, and why I like the first half a little bit more than the second half, is that I feel like this movie has a really terrific setup and introduces a lot of really interesting, just instantly memorable characters. Like, even Naomi Watts is a really great, a bunch of great moments. And she's not really even... Uh, Naomi Watts is really great, too, and a lot of people haven't talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, but by the time the second... Uh, second half or even just the last third come around i mean it's really riggin's story at the end of the day riggin yes. the character played by michael keaton um mm-hmm. and i might have liked to see a little bit more of those characters factor into it cuz uh, well ex- with the exception of Emma stone i think a lot of them get left behind a little bit mm-hmm. um that, but that's just that, that's just me i understand a lot of people um not really caring much about that
3: hmm yeah the, the uh um thing i wanted to mention with the ending was uh that the um the icarus thing that they mentioned um yeah, yeah. Just, just to give an idea of my interpretation of it um because they mentioned icarus throughout like the idea of oh you know you fly too close to the sun and yada, yada, yeah. everyone knows the story um and of course like birdman he's flying and of course there's those scenes when he literally like starts to use his superpowers and even there's a the whole se- sequence where he flies throughout the city, you know. And um that was a little
0: masturbatory for me. I didn't really <laughs> I, I, I have no. a thing where I just don't like I mean there, there are exceptions like how to train your dragon too, but in general, super indulgent flight flying
3: scenes I'm kind of like, "Eh, I've seen it."
0: Like I guess it just
3: worked thematically for me. I mean, the the idea of him his superpowers working and the idea of him flying. I didn't mind ma- the idea of his uh his um I, you know I didn't finish <laughs> oh, the interpretation. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's, okay. that's okay. Um is the idea of uh his um what's the word I'm looking for? His like art his legacy or the acclaim like getting to his head. Like his the the past acclaim he had getting into his head. Um and I think that's what the why the ending works so much for me is like, you know, he literally like humiliates and i don't know i don't want to get too literal so as to not spoil it but like you know coop like kind of sacrifices a big part of his identity um in order to yeah. get a claim and um and there's I, that's why some people were like oh it's like a happy ending and like doesn't it undermine like the whole theme of like there might, oh,
0: yeah there might just yeah. be a little more more emptiness and a little more darkness there
3: yeah exactly i think that it's it is like kind of suggesting like well he got like what he wanted but like Look what it cost him. And like, you know, now he's like completely letting his kind of ego get to his head. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, you know, he's flying away. Going to go really close to the sun now. You know what yeah. I mean? If you, you want to look at it through that lens. So that's why I really yeah. like the ending. And that's why I really like the, that, I don't know, interpretation of the, the, the flying and, and, and all that, you know. I'm interested in
0: rewatching it to think if I feel any differently.
3: Yeah, I, I may want to rewatch it too, but just because it, it, I might click more for me even now if I, uh, you know, with that interpretation in mind. Yeah. Um,
0: but regardless, like I'm, you know, I'm glad to be pro. Are
3: g in year two? I guess it's g yeah. in Yara two now. Yeah. I read someone be like, oh, like, I can't believe he's whitewashing himself. I'm like, dude, let yeah. him...
0: Let Seriously, him,
3: dude? Let
1: him
0: build him
3: his, so name is in, his name is Alejandro too. Yeah.
0: The G isn't really helping much. <laughs> the G is silent.
2: Um, <laughs> I, I see the, what you
1: did there. <laughs> yeah,
2: for me... Um. Oh, wait, that actually does have some implications. No, Um. but <laughs> for me, the... The ending is the trickiest part because, in some ways, I feel like you, as the viewer, have to do the hard work to sort of piece some of the things together. And for better or for worse, that can be fun or frustrating Um, because it is a weird little ending. Yeah. uh, And and for me, it ends up working because I view it as a sort of victory for Riggin', but I also view it as sort of ironic because... Definitely. Like I mean, as Robbie and I talked previously uh, outside of the podcast, he's still Birdman. Yeah. Even though he, he's accomplished some sort of pretentious dream, in, in, as it were, like, like some like you know some sort of artistic achievement by super realism or whatever they call it, he's still in the end Birdman. <laughs> yeah. Like like so in a, like so you can't really escape your artistic crutches in a way and the acceptance of that the acceptance for not being able to be better than who you are is the ending and mm. so so it's sad and happy because i think Reagan's kind of an asshole people talk about the critic character a lot in here yeah. i don't think in your is as mean to that critic as the character is to that critic and that's a really
3: good point honestly like
2: people are making too big of a deal about that scene that scene is not that offensive there have been It's, not that, it's not that offensive, but I
0: still think it's kind of, kind of stupid, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of the
2: movies stupid, and like, and well, it's it's silly. Well, like, it,
0: well, he, well, here's the thing: it's it's based off of the notion, it's based off of the idea that that that, that critic is going to, and, open, and she openly says this. I'm not reading. I'm not reading this. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She openly says, "I'm going to kill your play." Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's in the like, trailer. Like, like I, I'm not gonna go on a whole rant about this. But I think a very simple there's a there's a really simple que- answer to the question that uh, Michael Keaton's character has, which is why did you become a critic if you're just going to tear all this stuff apart? And mm-hmm. here's like here's how someone becomes a critic. They don't. It's not. It's not like they're a failed film. Like there's, no, this, no. there's a there's a stereotype of that. Oh, a failed filmmaker is going to become a critic. It's like the stereotype about teachers. If you can't do, teach. You exactly. Know? And mm-hmm. I, I know you probably hate that. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> um, there's a simple answer to that question. And that's that the critic wanted to be a writer Yeah. and he chose, he or she chose what he wanted to write about and what form he wanted, he or she wanted to write in. And may it's quite possible that a New York times critic maybe still has the power to close, a close a show if it's not a book of Mormon or, or a wicked <laughs> that could have to have towards appear appeal. But otherwise I, I'm not, sh- I don't, I don't like that depiction of critics and, it's not just in this film it's 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 in plenty of other movies where the critic is the the mean bitter one you know and Yeah
3: to, I don't know I'm just I, you know, in
0: general the, 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 I just don't like that trend and I don't
3: um, yeah, but whatever. I'm gonna I, I honestly completely understand where you're coming from. I and mean, that's something I was worried about going into the film. And it did, like, irk me a little bit when I was watching it. But the more I've distanced myself from it, the more I've become like, to be less bothered by it. And one reason is what TJ said about, you know, the, the, the fact that we do see how Michael Keaton is, is pretty nasty towards that character. But also, I just wanted to – I think that um, the character – excuse me, the, the critic doesn't really, like, represent critics as much as people are, like, kind of, you know – like jumping to say you know it's, it's easy to say like oh this person represents this kind of people like this person represents that but I think that like I, I want to quote like Mike D'Angelo um, critic for several different, I don't know
1: yeah
3: Dissolve A- AV Club AV Club Dissolve yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he said on Letterboxd, he said, um, <laughs> and please stop defensively whining about the Times critic, friends and colleagues. Everyone's a caricature here. Do you think Norton believes he's demonstrating what method actors are really like? Duncan's bitter scribe doesn't even apply to you, <laughs> frankly. Neither Kale nor Canby, nor Siskel and Ebert, nor whoever you like, has ever wielded even a smidgen of the power possessed by the chief New York Times drama critic. And that's what really what's being addressed here. Um, and I don't really that's, know much you know, about... That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And and, and, you know. and and that's why I haven't maybe I spent too much time talking about it, but that's mm-hmm. why I, I really haven't thought about that scene much in relation to this film because it it is it's so minor, it, it is so little of it, and this, yeah, it's really it not is. not at all what the movie's
3: about.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and and I think it it also just yeah. contributes to that sense of like, you know, the idea of like the art and like the prestige around the art and the acclaim just meaning too much like ultimately for for these people. I don't think it's saying that all like the film community is this way, but I think it, I think it's building like sort of a you know a a, a world that like works on characters and works on extremes in order to make that point about you know it's it's character. Um if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway. So yeah, we've um, gone on for a while, but I think I've said mainly the things I need to say, so. Oh
0: yeah. So amazing. yeah. Um moving on. This has nothing to do with any of the movies that we're talking about today, but I was just looking on Twitter and I feel like I need to talk about this for one second. Um, Mm -hmm. William Friedkin just tweeted that um, tweeted about the Babadook, which is this Australian horror film that I'm going to be seeing next week. Seeing seeing next week, and
2: he said it is one
0: basically one of his favorite movies, horror movies ever
2: at this point. Psycho, um, Alien, Diabolique, and now The Babadook. Yeah. And he says, <laughs> One of the scariest crazy. movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I've never seen a more terrifying film than
0: The Babadook. It will scare the hell out of you as it did me. Amazing. And
2: uh, apparently
0: you can rent it now on iTunes. So if, if it's I'm not really gonna, If it's not... Um, uh, to all the listeners out there, if it's not going to be in your area, then check it out. I'm recommending mm-hmm. it before I've even seen it.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited to see it myself. And I'm not even... I'm not very well versed in horror, but I'm, I'm looking to become yeah. well versed in horror, and this is one way I'm going to hope to start.
0: I'll have okay. To
3: run. Yeah. Now, now we'll have to
0: move on for real because we're an hour in and we've talked about two movies yeah. I think this is I think this is a record for us for how slowly we're getting through this. It's Actually, true. Talk about our, our
2: record is the identical, which
3: I oh, think is that's a good
0: like, point. We right? talked about <laughs> the
2: identical yeah. for, for like an, for an hour. Absurdly long and that's not even a good movie. <laughs> so it, Robbie, yeah. will you introduce our next movie Whiplash Whiplash.
0: Whiplash um is The sophomore, the second film, by by director Damien Chazelle, it won the top prize at Sundance this year, and I think for very good reason. It's it's a movie about jazz, jazz drumming in particular, and about the pursuit of greatness. That sounds really inspiring, and you know, (laughs) kind of uh, fitting in with the. I feel like there's almost a subgenre of. Musical prodigy films. A heartwarming you know. tale. heartwarming tale, really inspirational. This movie is almost like the punk rock version of that. Um, <laughs> Well, not, not the punk rock version, but like...
3: The uh, twisted, like, yeah, disturbing yeah, version.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, So Whiplash is the story of um a, a guy named Andrew Neiman, played by Miles Teller, who is a jazz drummer who ha- doesn't have any music in his family, but... He's he's is attending. I'm pretty sure the fictional Schaefer Music Conservatory in New York. Uh, he he gets the he gets the watchful eye of the watchful notice of Terrence Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons, who's this who's the fearsome uh, I guess head head jazz conductor in 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 the school, and and it enters into a teacher student dynamic that. Is more full metal jacket than dead poet society or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, J- yeah, a lot of people have been talking about J.K. Simmons and uh, like this movie's rated R, and it's entirely because of because of J.K. Simmons. He's so yeah. like willingly abusive to his students, verbally and physically, because he throws he throws shit and slaps his students sometimes, <laughs> like yeah. like um. But I don't want to overplay that because I think I think he does a
3: better job at it than that. Yeah, it's not just um, a matter of him going crazy and hitting everyone. Yeah, like, like, like,
2: nuanced, like, surprisingly.
3: yeah like Yeah, like I've
0: heard I've heard criticisms that his performance is is, is, is too over the top and too caricature-y. And another an a, a less skilled actor would have totally gone for that because it's a really easy role to just totally eat up. Um JK Simmons is more dynamic with it. He's more yeah. musical with it. I mean, there's like a precision to him, even as he's like hanging up his coat, for example, and like standing in front of his students. And he's it's just as just as rehearsed as when he's conducting. And when he escalates into these violent tirades, it counts like it, it, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, So what, what did you guys think of this film? Hmm. You can start the
2: same. I think I started it last time. Yeah. I I mean I was a big fan of Whiplash. Flash. I was actually more of a fan. Than I thought I was going to be. It's quite a striking film, and a lot of that is based upon the relationship between Miles Teller's character and J.K. Simmons' character. Yeah. Actually, so much too that any scene that doesn't feature those two, I felt like was a little uh, saggy. Uh, which which scenes featured? None of those Most two. prominently, the Thanksgiving scene was my least favorite scene in the movie. You could have cut that scene. The movie would have been sharper. would have been a better, like... That, oh, it, oh, it, oh, you mean with those two in the
0: same scene, you
2: mean? Yes. Any scene because with Because every both scene
0: them, has Miles Teller in it, at least.
2: Yes, but every scene with them together is is wonderful. Perfect. even. And I, li-
0: and, and I, and I like the Thanksgiving scene for a specific reason, but we'll get to that.
2: Yeah, but um, and then and then his his love interest I didn't feel like was developed nearly enough for me. No. She yeah,
0: wasn't. but yeah, yeah, but that
3: was also kind of just symbolic for. Yeah. yeah. But
0: it's true, yeah,
3: it's, and it's it worked on that level. It's just a shame that they have to. It might be the, the weakest part of the movie. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, yes, but, but
0: still, it felt real enough that I bought it. That I bought what was going on, and I bought her reaction, and I bought. By that time, yeah. I had bought. I thought that that character would be such a ginormous <laughs> asshole, frankly. Uh, there,
1: aren't, the there aren't by... a lot
0: of likable people in this movie, by the way. I should have noticed. I should have noticed.
2: Right. I, have I noticed. bought the movie by that point because it's. I, I just found myself really enthralled by the idea of this psychotic jazz drummer actually trying to push himself to live up to the standards of this psychotic instructor. Like, uh, it's such a yeah. interesting movie. It's just an interesting concept and it's executed so well through cinematography and editing and acting. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, like here's the thing. A lot of people have been talking about the, the argument this movie makes about teaching and the pursuit of greatness and stuff like that. And I find that, I find that stuff really fascinating and I, I, I do think very highly of, of it for those aspects. But just looking at this movie formally just as a film, it's so confident and it's so original in, uh, for me, at least, in its style, in the way it moves, in the way it interacts with the music as it's playing it. Even, even when the music is – what's the word that you really dig? Danny? Diagetic. Oh, di- <laughs> does, uh, does that mean actually happening in the scene? Yeah, diegetic means it's like okay. within the world of
1: the characters. Okay. Even habit, when non-diegetic, it's
0: non-diegetic, even when it's just like a montage of shots through the city with jazz mm-hmm. music playing in the background – even even then, just the way it edit the way the movie edits with, with it, it feels like almost a call and response to yes. the music. Mm-hmm. And the way the, the, the way the movie the cinematography and the editing during the performance scenes or even just the practicing scenes, 'cause a lot a lot of the movie is performing or practicing, you know, Miles Teller playing the drums, you, you really feel the physical toll that it's actually taking on him. To yeah. be exerting himself that hard. I mean, there's frequently there's a lot of scene, there's a lot of blood in this movie. <laughs> for one thing, I've never seen this much blood in a, a film about music before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I feel uh, I feel like this movie um, pushes its characters in in the same way that Terrence Fletcher's character or J.K. Simmons' character, whose name is Terrence uh-huh. Fletcher pushes miles teller i think this movie does a lot of that you know it's it's kind of punishing on Mm -hmm. its viewer the same way that it is on its character
2: that's what what i was trying to say The movie's a heart attack it's like it's like an action movie which you think at every moment your protagonist could die yeah but it's not an action movie and well it's always it's always on
0: that edge and that's i love that i love when it just stays on the edge, and you don't know if it's going to just completely fall apart in any second.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. W- one of the big criticisms I've heard is the scene in the middle, and I actually saw this movie twice. I didn't see Interstellar twice, but I saw this twice. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it the first time. The second time, I, I kind of bought it. Because here's the thing. This this whole movie, you know, like I said, it's on the teetering edge of... Just falling apart, and the movie is always doing certain things that can be called be called back to what the characters are going through or what the characters are doing. Like a lot of people are talking about how the camera uh, zooming in in the very beginning. Dan, Danny, you mentioned this. In, oh yeah, I was zooming in, kind yeah. of like J.K. Simmons is kind of like preying on him or something. Yeah, it's
3: like he's like creeping out. the slow that slow push in. Um I don't, I don't even think it's zooming in, I think it's pushing in. Um in 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 that opening sh- shot and uh, it's like it's like it's Fletcher himself yeah. like creeping up like you know like predatorily on on Andrew.
0: For me, this moment in the middle of the film and I think you'll know what I'm talking about. I think you pretty sure you
3: guys know what I'm talking about, right? I know what moment you're talking about. It's there's a lot of um there's something that the happens
0: middle. that for a lot a lot of people have said that is kind of Outside of the realms of like, the realm of possibility, or kind boom, of Boom! crash, we're kind that. of deus ex
3: machina ish. That, that's uh, a criticism I've heard. Here's the you thing, know, Here, I would, I personally, I, it's funny though, I don't under, honestly understand honestly why this is what people are focusing on as far as like a, an issue like that. I think the issue is, is the, the, the flat tire and the bus, um, it, m- maybe, but. Because I can thing. totally understand that this big boom, because he's like <laughs> he's going recklessly. I mean, he's being reckless. Like, of course, yeah. You know, I, that, that, that's not like I feel like if you're going to be that focused on what you're uh, one track minded and that reckless, and that's totally f- plausible for that to happen. Yeah. But the, I've been on so many so many buses in my life, and never once has they ever gotten a flat tire. And it's just like, oh, of course they got a flat tire. And the one day he like really needs to not get a flat tire. So that's what I was like, uh, I had a little bit of an issue. Okay,
0: with. but here's the thing, and here's the point I was trying to make. The scene, wh- what happens, just the boom moment. That for me is the moment. It's and, and it's shots so interestingly, interestingly, and just where the camera is, and just uh, just, just how that scene happens. It's yeah. it's the moment where the movie throws a symbol at you. Sure,
3: and, actually, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah,
0: and just leaves you kind just jarred. You know, you're not mm-hmm. sure what just happened. Yeah. And you know, both times I saw it there were audible gasps when that happened and, and you know that that's usually people usually gasp at stupid things in movies anyway, but that I felt was warranted because that was really just like for me that that really got to me because it was like whoa. <laughs> whoa, we yeah. went th- we went there. We really did. Um, yeah. But that that to me it made sense and would it really happen? Nah, probably not, but I, I don't really care, honestly, because I, cause I just love this damn movie so much. It's honestly it's, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. I forgot to mention. Yeah. Um. This really is, and I I think I think the characters are really fascinating. I I mean, people we talk about J.K. Simmons all the time, and I think he's just as great as everyone says. But Miles Teller for me is is the glue for this movie, and I think his character is really fascinating because he's so isolated. And and he's antisocial, and when when he joins Fletcher's band, all that becomes amplified. And <clears throat> you know, uh, you, you mentioned the Thanksgiving scene. I actually love the Thanksgiving scene because it shows that you know, in a lot of these musical prodigy movies, there's always a bunch of people telling you about how how great he, how great this person is, and he has a great support system or whatever. Um. But that's not the, that's not the case with this film. I mean Andrew Neiman has no support system. Uh Th- Terrence Fletcher uh, I mean his his, tea- his teachers treats him like shit um intentionally and his dad is loving but doesn't really see doesn't really isn't
3: involved high school in, in high in this part and I'm sorry? Oh, yeah. Is is it, I, he's a high school English teacher, which yeah, I don't yeah, mean to trash yeah, it. I mean, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm just course. saying that's like the antithesis to someone who thinks that, like, oh, the, I'm only successful in life if I do something, like, yeah, of course. you know, really, really, really ambitious. And the rest of his family doesn't care. And uh, he
0: get, he gets more. they get more excited about his cousin or – his. was that his cousin? I'm not really sure. Um,
3: yeah, or whatever the football player guy
0: has. Yeah, for, for, for football player cousin who – as Andrew Neiman says, is Division Three. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's
3: right. Yeah. <laughs> he just like scoffs,
0: basically. Yeah. yeah. So I like the idea of let's have, a, um, and this is in contrast to a movie I'm sure TJ about to talk about. Let's have a protagonist that is really great at something and not have any applause at whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Like
0: have have his have his whole environment be really alienating. Yeah. And that in turn kind of turns him turns him into a jerk. Yeah, and I and I really bought that.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine uh, Stephen Hawking drum, and that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my. Um. Anyway, um, we'll we'll get to that one later.
3: Yeah. I do want to discuss a couple little things, but I want to see if TJ has Go anything ahead. to say first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause oh, sure.
2: I mean, I, I, I think I've said my, my big piece on Whiplash is just, I mean, I'm a big fan. I, I think technically it's a great film. It's like a, it's like a heart attack. It's like, it just, I think Robbie's sort of hit nail on the head, and the big moment he's referring to does throw a symbol at you. And I feel like the end of the movie is that. Like, there's a big twist at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, what a fucker and then like as that scene plays out it's like when is this movie gonna end it's had three endings now yeah. but it earns it with, with the actual end uh yeah. mm-hmm. is the best place to end it yeah. so it's sort of Just... like a great yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's a twisted love story like the masters of twisted
0: <laughs> <story>. oh yeah <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I haven't thought about that but that's a really great comparison because of, of the dynamics and
2: it's yeah very but dynamics. yeah I mean I it, this is close to my top 10 it might even sneak in by the end of the year it's I want to see it again, What's too. What's your thing I mean, with
0: the Thanksgiving scene, if you don't mind me asking?
2: Oh, I just... It, it's typical uh, musician versus uh, football bro. Like, why does this have to be, like, like an arty kid intellectual versus typical standard American? Why does this have to be the binary in every movie? Sure. And, I can, like, see, and that. I can see that. I can see like, that. For me, it, it, it said
0: enough about his, about his character that... It was, was the
2: only favorite. scene in the movie that felt familiar. Ah. In which a All lot right. of the a lot of the rest of the movie felt really unique and really energetic and it slows down for a moment I like when a movie like this slows down but it slowed down and it I didn't feel like there was I mean I like your interpretation of it but as I watched it I'm like why is this scene in this movie let's just move on I want to see more symbols (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah maybe it wasn't entirely necessary but I kind of liked that peek into into his life and apparently there was a similar scene involved Uh, I mean this is behind the scenes shit but I read some interview uh, with J.K. Or with J.K. Simmons, and he said there was a similar scene with his character in his home,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but and and it showed some pictures of him in school or something like that, and informed more about his character. But they ultimately ultimately left it out because they wanted to keep it more from Andrew's point of view
1: right, or yeah. Miles
0: Teller's point of view. And mm-hmm. I, and I agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to see about that final scene. I I don't I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil it because like, I'm not sure. I mean, this is a music film. Where, where, where do you think it's going? Like, uh, th- That might be the one conventional thing that, that it ends in. It's pretty much the end let's of just drum say it ends, ends with a performance. Like, it's pretty much the end of drumline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other great uh, masterpiece about, about <laughs> drumming. Um, <laughs> the thing is, like, by that point, the, the relationship between the two characters have changed through. Oh,
1: yeah. certain, it changes certain within plot. the scene.
0: Yeah, it's through certain plot stuff that happens, but but just by the by the time that scene starts, the the characters have already changed, and they go through such an evolution through that scene while a bunch of other stuff is happening. Absolutely. there's like character development and with those two people and the way I don't to, just the acting and just how all these things are happening at once and just happening so effectively. And this movie is they're just spinning so many plates. And it just all works, and it's just thrilling to me from an acting perspective, from a just direction perspective, and from from a performance perspective on, on a musical level. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I hold jazz drumming in a really high regard. Like I use, I, I I feel I feel like I've had to talk about the stuff that I've been into way too much. Like I just said, oh, I did theater when I was in high school. <laughs> like I I also like to play drums too, and I haven't done it in a little while, but. I've I've always thought that if you could if you can if you could do jazz drumming, you're one of the best drummers in the world. Like that's for me is like the hardest stuff. Um it's 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 the most involved and the most complex type of drumming for me. That's how I've always felt. And this movie really gets that and it really gets how literally painful it can be to get to that level. You know. Mm. Just as painful as any like wrestling or boxing film. I mean uh I read another interview with uh, Miles Teller that said one of the movies that they wanted him to watch before the shooting of this film was *Raging Bull*, and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me because that film has a as a as a similar kind of physicality to it, and and you really feel the blows in that film.
1: Yeah,
0: and yeah. it's like that. It's like that in this film, but for drumming.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyways, um, I really yeah. love this movie. I think it's really great. Everyone see it
3: yeah um yeah the ending was a big deal to me too because i there were so many moments where i feel like it could have ended and Mm -hmm. uh, there were moments where i was fearing it would end because i was like oh gosh like if they end it here it's gonna be such a you know
0: typical such
3: a like yeah typical and just like disappointingly weak and like uh, kind of like safe you know yeah safe and just like i don't know just unfitting ending um and then instead uh, they just go for it they just go for it and they really they really do make the argument that like he is a remarkable person andrew but that doesn't make him even remotely necessarily likable or whatever and i do love the ending because it 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 pushes it pushes the characters like in the sense that fletcher really is trying to push andrew yes um throughout the film and 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 by the point by the time it ends like his talent really has consumed the film um to the point where it's not really even about him as like a, a like a social human being it's it's about what he can offer it to, musically which is what he wants that's that's he's like yeah, I don't need a social life i need a legacy via my talent yeah. via my music yeah. and that's what he gets
0: i mean uh, like the way he brutally dumps the girlfriend early in the film
3: yeah like
0: as as horrible as that was um for her to probably listen to and yeah. As much of an asshole as he was, he presents a logic that you really can't argue with. Like, yeah, I mean, like, if you're you, gonna you know, he's like, like if you stay with them. me, then you'll get then you'll get resentments before because I'll be focusing only focusing on my drumming, and then I'll have resentments for you because you only want to keep me from my drumming. And it's just better if we don't do this. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that logic makes sense. He communicates it in maybe the worst possible way, yeah. um, uh, because he doesn't want he doesn't want to be one of you people at community college doesn't know what it wants to do with your life. Be gone. <laughs> That's basically what that scene is. Like,
3: yeah.
0: like his logic is if I don't get with you, I'm not going to become buddy rich, okay? So fuck off.
3: Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, this is kind of uh, kind of an edgy and mo- it's an edgy movie in a, in a lot of different senses of the word. It's yeah. edgy as far as the it's mood goes. It's on yeah. edge a lot. That's what I meant to say, you know. Yeah, and I cool. really love it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year.
3: Yeah, I agree. I'm very positive on it. Yes. Anyway, uh, that, are we are we good on this one?
0: Yeah. Now we got us. Let's do try to do the rest of these reviews in five minutes or less.
2: I 100 yeah. percent agree with
0: that. Yeah. Night Nightcrawler is what we have next. Um.
2: Yes. Yeah, so let's we'll, we'll talk was in, about
0: it. Yeah, that's been in theaters for almost a month. It came out on October 31st, and we're taping this on November 30th. So it's been out for almost a month. So. <laughs> Most most people have seen it if they wanted to by now, but yeah, I really dig it. It's has
3: yes. another, another really good movie. Yeah, I was quite fond of it as well. Um, TJ, what do you think?
2: Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> it's a it's a great look at sort of the uh, so so whenever I said uh, whenever I said Box Trolls was sort of a uh, anti Randian movie, I think uh, this, <laughs> this movie certainly qualifies um, as a sort of how the eye is supreme. Sort of yeah. is a fucked up idea in a lot of ways. So, and I think that the movie works and doesn't feel too heavy-handed for several reasons. First, I, uh, a great first-time director. Yeah. Um. And you're uh. Right. You're right. Working from a good screenplay with really good performance by Renee Russo and a transformative performance. Jolene um,
1: uh Oh
2: a, yeah. A, and a and a transformative performance by Jake Hall who's just. Oh, yeah who's just fantastic here. He's had yeah. such a good run. He's the best part of Prisoners. He's yeah.
0: the best. He's, re- he's, he's really great in um, End of Watch. Uh-huh. Really great in Enemy, it,
1: too.
2: It, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's infinitely watchable in Enemy. He, 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 he's just reached the point of his career where, sort of like Matthew McConaughey did a couple years ago. I said this in our Dallas Buyers review last year, where he's sort of become the guy where he's in a movie like, oh, I want to see it because I want to see what, yeah, what, yeah, yeah he's yeah, totally. doing lately. Yeah, right. He's so consistent now, and I feel like Jillen Hall's is in that era. And you guys have seen photos of his next movie. The guy is just bulked oh, up. Oh,
3: buff, yeah. And Sal, oh, what, like, what is it called? It's, it's scary.
2: Yeah, Southpaw. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and he's but, so
2: in Night, Nightcrawler. He's so skinny. He's like, yeah. he, he,
1: he,
0: yeah.
2: he's called himself a coyote. Like he trying to get skinny to look like a coyote.
0: And his uh, eyes are just like th- they feel like they're trying. They're trying to exit his skull. They're <laughs> so bulging out.
2: Yeah, and he's like never blinking. It's just so insanely like creepy, hilarious, dark, and you can't stop watching. And it yeah. he he does take the movie through all of its beats. He he he's that big. He's that important. He's that impressive here. And I I mean I I don't even know what else to say. I mean the reason this movie works is because Jake Gyllenhaal makes it work. It would have worked anyway, but a reason it works so well is if if you put another actor in there who's not as dedicated, it's a good movie. It's an okay movie, but it's a really good movie because of the virtuoso performance by an increasingly improving actor. One of the the more interesting ones we have in Hollywood nowadays.
0: What I love about this movie, maybe more than, I don't want to say anything else, but it's one of my favorite parts about it, is... The creation of a completely amoral character. Because there aren't a lot of movies that try to go there, especially not a lot of main- mainstream films. The only movie I could think of from the past ten years or so that really tries to make a character that, like I said, is completely amoral, um, doesn't is mostly just concerned with, with himself, almost entirely just concerned with himself and getting himself ahead, is... Um, LaFont, directed by the Dardan Brothers, who I seem to bring up every single week um I thought of that film while night crawl they're not the same character they're very different characters but they both the, the lead in that film and the lead in this film um but they both share that 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 core of i'm going to do i'm going to do what I can to get ahead or to or just what I'm feeling at the moment—that feels right, that feels like it'd, it'd be good for me, even if that involves putting me in danger, putting a, anyone in danger, and possi- possibly possibly leaving people dead. <laughs> That's really really where this movie ends up. I'd feel like if I have, I'll complain. It's that. The third act could use a little bit more tidying up because it has a really great climax.
1: Oh yeah, and then it,
0: and then a really terrific moment with between him and Rene Russo, where you know she's really decayed morally and she's kind of okay with that, and she's yeah. kind of cool with that space, and that's a really unsettling place for a mainstream film to go. But then it mm. goes on for like five more minutes, and it's like um, okay, it could have it just ended right there, and it would have been good. But mm. it's, it, that's nitpicky. Otherwise,
3: very very good film.
0: Uh yeah danny what about you i i, I want to let everyone talk you know? <laughs>
3: it's okay i i was very positive on it i i do have to accept the issue of it being satire and it, and and like it having a point to make and and as much as i i love like satire i do have to admit that it, it kind of sacrifices some like character depth for that yeah like yeah you know um, it is kind of a one note character but it's so yeah uh,
0: it's it's a note it's, that i was really a great love. note <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: yeah i mean like i i i kind of like realized pretty early on like what the issues would be with it like with the film but once i accepted them i was just totally like just totally into it though you know yeah um and uh it, it's one of, it's one of those things like I don't know. It, it really commits to what it what, what it wants what it wants to do, and what it wants to say and I think it really succeeds in that level. There's a couple there's a scene that I really loved when they're in the uh news I don't know, studio or whatever and um the <laughs> the um anchors or, or whatever are talking about they're narrating Jake Hall's character's footage of like a crime and uh and then Rene Russo's character really wants them to like appeal to the audience uh, the demog you know, the demographic watching the news, so she kind of goes just like, oh, you know, like she's talking in the earpiece and she she said it's like just talking to the anchors as they're speaking, like coaching them and goes like, you know, say there's he's still out there, like the killer is still out there, whatever, like or you know, like all all <laughs> this drum stuff up, to like, drum up fear and stuff like that. Yeah, like I love how they just they get they really break down like what is it that makes like that drives like the modern news story and like. You know the whole like appealing to middle class white people and making it feel like it's them who's, who are being attacked. Just all that satire was just a lot of fun, um, and that scene was really, really, really well directed. Like honestly, one of my favorite scenes of the year. Um, so anyway, that and and yeah, just Jake Gyllenhaal was absolutely incredible. I, I'm very positive on the film despite the kind of like issues that come inherent with like such a yeah um, you know such a directly heavy like, handed maybe. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, but but honestly, it was it was so yeah, great like it's though, a little bit obvious that. what it's about. Yeah, um,
0: but I don't um, mind. Something. I don't mind what it's about. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, this is not one of my favorite favorite movies of the year. You know, because it's not. It it is really one track minded in the same way that Jake Gyllenhaal is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, um, and it 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 serves a nice. It, it has a really nice role to play, mm-hmm. and I really I really love that. Um, it's not. It's definitely not top ten-y for me, for me you, know? Mm. If you know, if you know what I'm saying.
3: I mean,
2: yeah. yeah. But anyway.
0: regardless, still dug it quite a bit.
2: People should mm-hmm. see especially if they missed it. Maybe um, they should rent it when it comes out.
0: Okay,
3: yeah. so, geez, what's next? Is that the last <laughs> one that we've all seen? I don't know. We've all seen John Wick, so maybe we should just do a quick John yeah,
0: Wick. Um, yeah, we don't need to spend much more than 60 seconds on John Wick, let's be honest.
3: Yeah, let, John, let, quick.
0: Let nine, <laughs>
2: John Quick. John <laughs> Quick. Um, do not kill... Keanu Reeves' dog, or he will come after you. Yeah, no one <laughs> warned me of, of the
0: dog peril in this film. That's,
2: <laughs> I found that
0: I found that to be really uh, neglectful of you guys. <laughs>
2: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's why you
0: gotta go to does the dog, does the dog dot com. Um, but yeah, the, this is a pretty, you know, <laughs> le, le, like everyone's been saying, it's a it's a great action movie. It's uh, not throwbacky the way the guest is, um, and it's not how do I say. it? It's it's not as glossed up as it could be, but it's still a pretty slick uh twenty twenty fourteen action film. But that being said, for that kind of thing, it does what it does right. And um and I think I think Keanu Reeves is really great, but a lot of the, a lot of why he's great is because I love the way they I love the way this movie talks about John Wick. Like if we talk about John <laughs> Wick, he's like he's like he's the motherfucking Babadook, like, You know? <laughs> oh, John Wick. It's just like his, oh, his name is the guys... boogie.
3: His name is the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah.
0: They call him the boogeyman in yeah. the film, and so they I, talk about
3: I, him like that. I, I love when Theon Greyjoy is like. Uh, <laughs> he's just like, "Why? Well, I just took his car and like killed his dog, and then like." It's like no, like no. you didn't just take anyone's car. That's John Wick. It's like I almost feel like font of the subtitles in those
2: Russian scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's
3: just, it's such an unapologetically silly movie, and that really. Oh, was... yeah. I love that. It, yeah, it, it's
2: connective tissue between very well done action set pieces. So that tells you, in of itself, it's not aiming low. It wants to do really good action set pieces. Yeah. Definitely. But it also it, develops like a, it develops a mythology that's yeah. in, that that helps make the, that connective tissue more interesting than it could have been. And those action set pieces are very diverse, which yeah. I think sometimes you watch an action movie and every action beat is very similar throughout. But this one, they're like, all right, let's do, let's have a little bit of a different one right here. Uh, like, like the sets, they're very colorful, they're very dynamic, and they, and they work really well within the action.
0: Definitely, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's a movie, it's a movie I dig
3: a lot, and you know,
0: it, I'm, I'm willing to guess it's not in theaters anymore because it came out in what the middle of October.
3: Yeah, it's, it's probably gone for most. So theaters.
0: yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, you, you know. When, when it's on Redbox or Netflix or something, it really works in that context. Yeah. I
3: mean, it's not yeah, right. It's
0: thing. not. It's not a cinematic. It's not really a cinematic film, or or
3: you, you, not not I cinematic mean, it, in
0: the same way that Interstellar is. Like, you really need to see it on a big screen. You know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I would say. Oh, uh, I was gonna mention. I love the random appearances from like big TV actors, like Lance Reddick, <laughs> or Lance Reddick or and a Boy from the, Wire. from the Wire. Yeah, uh, and then also although Dave they do not Hatton give him a gun Ellie. in
0: this film, and that's a little bit disappointing yeah. <laughs> after the guest, where he yeah. he was allowed to be total badass CIA. Uh, I will be CIA saying person.
3: that eventually. I'm looking forward to his appearance in it. Yeah, and definitely. Also, yeah. Definitely. As David a Patrick as a Wire Kelly. fan, you will be very happy. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. i sorry. I keep interrupting, man. No, no, no it's okay. Uh, and then David Patrick Kelly from Twin Peaks was in it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um,
0: Lester Freeman from The Wire too. The, yeah, the, I mentioned that. Yeah, Clark that's, Peters. That's the character's
3: name. It's not the actor's name. Yeah, yeah. Clark Peters is the actor. Yes. Um. So yeah, I definitely agree that the action sequences were extremely well done, and also it was just it was just honestly pretty fun, like
1: uh-huh. even
3: funny kind of film and plays yeah. to Keanu Reeves' strengths for sure. But anyway, that's what I need to say. That's not really much of a talker.
0: Um, no, yeah. So I guess I guess next,
3: yeah.
0: should we skip listening, up, listen up, Philip? Or and I'm going to see that
3: certain... one for sure. So we probably yeah, let's shelve listen yeah. up, Philip for, uh, for next
0: podcast. Yeah. and, show and podcast. it's on VO, Yeah, and it's on VOD, so yeah. you can. So it'll be on there for a while. So it's not like a limited theatrical release where you only have a certain amount of time to see it. Like yeah. you can wait a little bit to hear what we think about it. You can go see. You can go see. Listen up, Philip yourself. And then listen to what we have to say about it. How about that? How about you do some of the work
2: for once? <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 Danny. Since we're not going to uh, cover Foxcatcher's time, I and mean, we can edit this out. Because um, me I and Danny know, have seen Foxcatcher. Yeah, uh, I know Robbie was pro. Were you pro, negative, or mixed on Foxcatcher?
3: I'm definitely pro. Okay,
2: I mean, yeah, I'm very. Um, pro it's not. So.
3: It's not perfect, but. Um, I just
2: can't wait to it, see it. It's I, pretty I, great. I, I,
3: like, yeah. I'm if surveying give, opinions. Yeah. If I, to give you an idea if I was still rating films, I'd probably give it an eight. Um, oh. but like a really solid one, like it, like if, if anything, if anything, it could grow at least like a, I don't know, at least like right, like good in the middle, like just decent eight or if not, 80. if not more. Yeah. Cause it, it's, and I'm thinking about it and the more I think about it, there's definitely a lot of interesting things. Like, so we'll talk about it. Yeah. It's, I definitely think you're going to really enjoy it. I okay, kind
0: cool. of, I expected for, I'm not going to a, re- a review, but I'm just saying one comment really quick. I expected a certain kind of film from Foxcatcher, but got a very different one. I got the kind of, I expected the kind of film that a comedic actor would do, like the kind of dramatic film a comedic actor would do, like Steve Carell, um, or that a big celebrity would do, that or, or you know an actor that's been in some comedies and some romances and some action films, like Channing Tatum, uh, the kind of dramatic film that they would do. And, I know what you
3: mean. Like it, it, me. would, follow, it would follow it would follow the you.
0: beats of that kind of movie.
3: But it was really like a men, children kind of thing, where it's like, look at me, I can act sad, you know. Yeah, exactly. but, it's, I, but it's not that. Yeah,
2: it's not hear, that. It's not that at all. I yeah. hear that uh, some people described his performance as Michael Scott but put into the real world, so he's very scary. <laughs> that's really uh, that's, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't that's know if interesting, interesting. that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if because Michael would, Scott is. I mean, I'm, I'm not an office aficionado, but he's a sociopath. <laughs> he's sort yeah. of <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can give him
0: that, but the thing is, like. Uh, well, I, we're getting so much into Foxcatcher here. I'm sorry. Not he,
1: he,
3: okay. It's
0: not a showy movie. It's not a showy I, role. Yeah. I like Capote and I, I like Moneyball, so I'm for sure going to see. was this your
3: first Ben Miller film, Robbie?
0: I saw Moneyball, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I was not into it. And maybe I will be into it now if I watch it now. I don't. Maybe I expected a certain kind of baseball movie that I wasn't trying to be. Who knows? But mm. I... I there's, there's, there were some problems I had with that movie, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a rewatch would be, um, beneficial for me. But to
2: be honest, I, I really liked it, but I do need to rewatch it. So yeah, as well. I'm
0: interested. I'm definitely interested in rewatching it now that I really like this movie, and I feel like, you know, Bennett Miller won the Can F- Director Prize, and that was really surprising for me because, not a lot of the big winners were, well, except for Julianne Moore. Not a lot of the big winners were from, like, the more mainstreamy American films. So that was really an inter- interesting choice, and I think it's,
3: I think it's warranted. I really love the style of this movie. But yeah, we'll definitely get to it next time. But I definitely do want to talk about how great I think the direction is. I love how when we say
0: we're going to get to a movie, we still talk about it for like three
2: minutes. Yeah, and we should totally keep this discussion in because I think it was good. Uh, but yeah. yes, uh, we, we will be reviewing two movies that we are fans of in our next podcast. Listen up, Philip and Foxcatcher, which may be in our January one because I live in butt-fucking Egypt. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like so to do
0: at least, it, I like, I like to do at least one in December before
2: Oh no. Should. We're totally yeah. doing a December one. I'm just saying that I don't like we'll probably do our top 10s around Oscar nomination time.
3: Yeah, and I think that makes sense actually. Um, okay, Danny, by that point we'll have everything around. Yeah.
2: Um, Danny, how about
3: we talk about um Kuguya? Yeah, so that's one that TJ, you're not going to see for so long that we should probably just talk about it. Yes,
2: now. Did, yeah, just totally review it. I'm I, I'm so jealous. I'm I'm even more jealous of that than the fact that your Giants, as in your city's <laughs> Giants, beat the Royals in the World Series. So yeah. So yeah. yes, I am so jealous, and I can't wait to see it. But I would love to hear what you guys think of it. Yeah. So
0: the great Isao Takahata has a new film out. It might not. It might still be in a few theaters. I know it's. Uh, is it in? Is it still in mind? Because it might it might be have been it might have been taken out taken out by the time it's this week. It's
2: traveling around the country. I've been. Paying it, but it's traveling country. like it,
0: there's still probably some some uh, some screenings. It's um it's called into the ta-
2: January even like, like, yeah. like
0: it's gonna be touring. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be touring around one of those type of uh, one of those type of type of releases that just rolls out across the country. Um, it's called the Tale of the Princess Kaguya. It is um. As of now, the second-to-last movie from that we're going to be getting from the Studio Ghibli in the next few years. Um, and this is the first film from Asano Takahata in 15 years, I believe. Well, it came out in 2013 in, in Japan, so that's 14 years. Because his last film was My Neighbors, the Yamadas, in 2009. And I hold him up there with Miyazaki. I think that a lot of the people that you know say that they're super huge into Miyazaki, they need to be watching his movies, too. I think mm-hmm. he's just as pivotal as as Miyazaki is if only for Grave of the Fireflies and uh, w- which is cl- a classic and just a masterpiece and wholly devastating in every way. Yeah. And I was very aware of that type of film going into this because it is very like like that movie It's non it's non it's fantastical, but it's very Japanese. It's very mm. old worn in its kind of ancient feel, uh, but mm. it's very lively too. And it's it, it's animated obviously, and it does, obviously is animated, and it's, yeah. and it's that type of watercolor animation that he did with my My Neighbors the Yamadas, but mm. for me it's more refined and it's more, um, I I just preferred it better and. Honestly, this might be the most just aesthetically beautiful movie I've seen this year. And and, and that's even counting, like, The Grand Budapest Hotel and and, 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 and all these other movies that people have been saying are really, really beautifully shot. Even Ida. Uh, like, this movie for me is just gorgeous in every single frame. Is
2: it more beautiful than The Wind Rises? Not that they have to be a competition. Um,
0: it's a different kind of beauty.
2: Okay. The Wind Rises is
0: definitely has more refined animation, yeah. and and I love that for it, and I think it does a lot of great stuff with it. Um, Takahata has always been a little bit more experimental with how he animates films,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and his he's always been more about expressionism in his animation rather than uh, the landscapes of The Wind Rises, because, um, yeah, because The Wind Rises is very much about that. This film, it's like a lot of like a lot of the images are just surrounded by white. If you know what I'm saying, like Mm. the the entire image is not drawn in, and there's a lot of like whiteness around the edges. Um, and I really like that type of aesthetic for this. Um, Mm. Lest I overtake this discussion again and and just start raving about this film, uh, Danny, how about um you talk about what you liked,
3: sure, yeah, or Or what you didn't like, or whatever. Sure, uh, I definitely did want to discuss the animation a little bit because I thought it was really beautiful and really unique, and it just immediately struck me as like being just so unique. Um, and you know, I've seen Grave of the Fireflies, and I've seen several other Miyazaki Ghibli films, and even you know some that are not Miyazaki. Um, and it, this definitely like just still struck me as being really like singular. Um, and the scene that really just gosh blew me away so much, um, like uh, the animation in particular. Um, was the scene when she's running um, yeah. and it just looks like we, we talked about this a little bit yeah. and I, outside of the podcast so it looks like it's just like de- the, the scene just seems to be like decomposing um, yeah. because like by,
0: at that point at that point the character is in a really dark place
3: yeah. and
0: that's a, that's you know once again with the expressionism it's an expression yeah. of that really dark place and yeah. just the the charcoal just becomes so overpowering yeah uh, the, the literal charcoal in the animation i don't i'm i'm I'd be really surprised if there were a lot of computer animated stuff in this movie or computer aided stuff because mm-hmm. a lot of it looks very naturally animated but yeah could, uh, but I don't know everything about that
3: no uh, yeah but, but from my pedestrian knowledge it does really look like that too. I forgot to mention yeah. in the plot synopsis this is based
0: off of the the ancient Japanese folktale the tale of the bamboo cutter mm. and th- this is really. Um, it's from a tenth it's a tenth century Japanese folktale and this movie is very Japanese. It and, and is and I think The Wind Rises is also a very Japanese film, especially in just the Ozu-ness of, of, of it all. This is Japanese in a very folkloric type of way.
3: mm mm-hmm. you know, it's funny you mention Ozu because I, I watched this the day after I watched late spring. Um <laughs> And I I noted a lot of similarities thematically and narratively. Yeah. In the sense of, like you know, the female character, protagonist, excuse me, being kind of, like, happy with her situation and then her elders, like, impose their own version of happiness onto her and then that makes her unhappy. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I honestly...
1: Um,
3: I wasn't sure, like, I kind of, like, forgot I was watching uh, a Takahata film and not a Miyazaki film when I was watching oh, really. this film because I expected, like, not literally, but, like, I mean, in the sense that I expected a different ending, I think. Like, I was, like, I was taken aback by how sad the ending was. Yeah, Because it's... I was like, oh, that's right, this is the guy who did the Firefly*. It's not, <laughs> Yeah, you
0: know, I never mm-hmm. told you. It's but... a little bit deceptive in how it starts because it starts in a very innocent fairy tale type of way yeah or not fairy tale but just like an old folk tale you know yeah yeah um and and it it follows the logic of folk tale a lot of the time in the sense that magical shit just comes in out of nowhere mm-hmm. um and not when you're expecting because a lot of the, a lot of this movie is very grounded actually a lot of this movie really is just about about the people and about the reactions you almost forget that this this is about a, a little girl that came from a, bam, a bamboo stalk that's literally how the movie starts. So, when it's really not until the end that all that magical shit just comes, just comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "Wait, wait what? What did yeah. you just say?" Like a lot. There's a lot of reactions like that that I've been reading about. I've heard about people. I've read people. Uh, I saw a YouTube review, and, and I'm always skeptical about that because, <laughs> frankly, YouTube reviewers, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get myself into a bad places if I keep talking about that, but um a few a couple of those reviews mentioned that they were really mad really pissed off at the ending and that's an interesting that's interesting for me because um i wouldn't say pissed off but i i could see confused and because it doesn't follow traditional story structures and it's it is really the point that you realize oh you're watching takahata and he's m- more willing to Really, he's he's more willing to put his audience through a grinder, or or not through a grinder. That sounds fucking weird. Like
2: an emotional grinder. An emotional, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's mixed metaphor. Yeah, he's willing yeah. to put his audience through a little bit more than I don't want to say more than Miyazaki would do, because Miyazaki could go into into darker places as well, but just in a different way, you know. Yeah. And like I said, it's uh, for me this. I think this is a really beautiful and just really amazing film about. And it's not not even just for its craft and its beauty, which I love, but also in just its use of folktale, of folklore rather. And uh, this is a movie about that for me, and about uh, folklore's ability to illustrate really harsh and painful realities, uh, but al- but also just illustrate the joy of living too. For me, this movie was just really uh, well rounded in that, and you really feel. I really feel like you get. A picture of a whole life in about two hours and twenty minutes. This uh, this is one of the longer Studio Ghibli films. It's maybe a little bit longer than The Wind Rises, which I think was around what two ten something like that. Um, Perhaps this is more. It's like two twenty, two thirty something like that. And it it is very it is deeply sad, and it it ends in a, a really crushing, devastating way. And not even in a way that you 'd expect, but you know by the time you 've gotten there you you 've just been with these characters for so long that what what has to happen and i 'm glad that the movie didn 't didn 't um keep what would logically happen from happening if you know what i'm if you know what i 'm saying it didn 't really back down from anything um and I love that about it um i 'm getting rambly again so
3: it 's okay so, I'm i 'm not going to say too much more uh, anyway in the interest of time um but, yeah, I'm positive on it. Um, oh, my it is, God.
0: Yeah. We're an hour 54. I didn't even realize
3: that. Yeah, so I'll just kind of finish. That's just it for me, honestly. But I definitely recommend seeing it. Um, Ghibli fans and people who are new to Ghibli and et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah.
0: This is, one, this is another one of my favorite movies of the year, and I really think people need to see it.
3: I agree. <sighs> Um I, I, I think I'm a little less positive on it than you admittedly but I I'm still positive yeah. on it and I, I don't I don't think it's like a, a I still recommend it for sure.
0: Okay. Um I don't have a whole lot of talking left cuz you guys saw a few movies that I haven't or or just a couple anyway.
3: Or so yeah, Force? this is another question mm-hmm. I have. So Force Majeure, do we want Robbie, are you planning on seeing that?
0: I really have no clue if I'm going to get to it this week. I, I really don't mind if you guys just talk about it.
3: So TJ, would you prefer to talk about it now or next time? Yeah, we can talk about it now because we don't want our next podcast to be to be too bloated yet. Okay, so yeah, let's give it a go. Um, TJ, since you haven't been talking lately, you can you can introduce it, I guess.
2: Force Majeure is a is a Swedish film about a Swedish family who goes on a vacation skiing in France. Um, Sorry. And in the movie, in the first twenty minutes, this family of a, a husband, a wife, a son, and a daughter experience what they perceive as a near-death experience. Um, the the ski resort has this sort of uh, system where they create avalanches to to put snow onto the the uh, what do you call them the ski the slope slopes or, slopes yeah. yeah yeah and one of the Uh, man-made avalanches gets a little haywire where it it throws up a bunch of snow into the air and dust and and they're sitting at a a location where they're eating and they think they're going to die. But the father, in a moment of human fear, runs away from his family while the mother protects the kids. And therein you have all the drama you need for a two-hour movie (laughs) yeah what happens after that and this is what happens after that the movie um and it not only affects their family it affects their friends who have conversations with them it affects everything around them and it's sort of about the idea of human limitation it's about what we are as humans and yeah there's a lot of philosophical musing there's a lot of scenes of talking but it's a very european style of, of cinema is sort of um have a situation and then dissect it within the, like the, have the characters who usually are very highly educated dissect the situation uh they're in um i just think it's i really i that. <laughs> I, I think it was very uh this is very entertaining it was very funny the movie yeah. is hilarious. Uncomfortably I had, funny. Yeah. I had no idea it was going to be funny. I was expecting something hyper serious. Sort of like when I watched Monica Mana today, I thought that movie was just gonna be like in a way it's like Leviathan, but then you watch this old lady eat ice cream and it's the most jo- for eight minutes and the most joyous thing you've ever seen ever. <laughs> um but in, in force majeure, if I'm saying it right, my French pronunciations are typically sure terrible. Why. Um but it's just I was like, I was laughing and we were the only two in the theater and my wife and I were just Boy, cracking really... up. Like Aww. there's a mountain of crying. I will say at some point without spoiling too much. That is the oh, most ridiculous right. moment. Uh. And, and just how loud it is and how forceful <laughs> and over the top. It's just, that sounds like something I would really, really dig a mountain. of Yeah, no, I, I think it's like, love it, but I mean, I, I think force majeure, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to be in a lot of people's top tens. It's already on the Washington post top 10 movies yeah. the year, And I think it makes sense. I mean, I think it's a really good movie. Uh, what do you think, Danny?
3: Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty darn great. Um, it, it's, <laughs> it certainly does. Uh, I just explores like, you know, what, what makes like a, a good man, like what, what <laughs> is fulfilling the, the roles within like a traditional marriage? Like, you know, what, what, and this, all, all those kinds of questions. And I love the introduction of that guy from Game of Thrones um, who uh, – it <laughs> it adds a really interesting, like, contrast and also, like, it just like you said, showing how the drama affects the friends too. And uh, I think the arc that they took with that character was just really great. Um, and, and the – oh, you don't know who I'm talking about necessarily because you don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, Wait, no, I, I do watch
2: Game of Thrones, but I'm trying to figure out who –
3: so is oh I, oh I thought I'm sorry I, for some reason I feel like you said you hadn't watched it I have not um, seen season four oh okay well I apologize uh, it's uh the guy who has the the, the red red hair um, yes who, yeah I'll, I'll post a little link um, and the
2: amazing beard
3: um yeah yeah the amazing beard I'm actually going to post a really fitting video that you'd be able to see what I'm talking about anyway um so <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I posted a video of him of him quote unquote getting a shave,
1: Um,
3: (laughs) and uh, I'm not going to spoil what how much he actually shaves up his face. Um, Just just Google it his pit name and you'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, but yeah, he's not saying his
0: name because his last name is in He's
3: dancing around it. It's no not want to screw it up, but just (laughs) Christopher (laughs) Hivju. Yeah, it's it's H H I V J U is his last name, and his first name is is. K R I S T O F E R.
0: The name of his character is almost more ridiculous. Tor uh, in in Game of Thrones. torment oh. Giant Spain. Yeah, see,
2: this <laughs> is from this season, so that's why I haven't seen it. This is from uh, last oh, season.
3: Oh, that makes sense. So oh, yeah, that is one of the newer characters. I forgot. Okay, so, I but he also Sorry. looks like
2: Christian Bale when he smiles. But um mm.
3: Oh, that's pretty funny. I never Honestly, I he's he's seen he's smiling he's him smiling any of these photos, so right. I guess I am. Anyways, yeah. moving along. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> um so, so, yeah, I don't know. The, the ending I thought was, was pretty awesome. Like I don't want to spoil it, but I just... There are two uh, endings, w- which confused me at first. Oh, what was the, ending you're, the first ending you're thinking of? Uh, on the top of the mountain,
2: the sort of faux victory.
3: Oh, that's right. And I really liked the parallel between... And I, I don't know, you can tell me if you have a different interpretation, but I really like how in the beginning, when the avalanche comes, the screen goes completely white.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and
3: yeah, uh yeah. and then that happens uh again when at the end or near the end, um mm-hmm. when he goes off, you know when they're in the snow and then he keeps and the kids stay there and all that, and uh to me, that was a parallel of like all right, it's like supposed to be a happy ending, like you know okay, yeah, he redeemed himself, but like. It's kind of like saying, "Well, look, he just left his like kids there, though." and Wasn't the whole point of this like you know you're yeah, supposed to care yeah, about the kids? It's like
0: yeah, spoiler.
3: Well, it's you'll, you'll see when I you see the movie. Like really, it's not really like I'm probably split. just
0: gonna forget about everything he just said. Yeah, so I don't know. Don't Trust me, <laughs> I
3: wouldn't. It's not really gonna affect your viewing experience. It's uh, we're talking about like one little scene that doesn't really. Here's the thing. I, I was. Going I'm not gonna even bother. But my point is, that I don't think. Sorry. I think it's fine.
0: Here's the you thing. Know. I was going to. I don't know, like, I was going to see it today, and I should have, and um, I, I, I should have, because I had the day free, but I just didn't really feel like going out to the movies again. Mm. Honestly, after this conversation, I, I really want to see it now, so to ensure that I see it before it leaves the theater, I'm probably going to go, like, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Just yeah. screw it. Just go.
3: That's a good idea, and, and trust me, this, this, like, really vague half-spoiler is really not going to... Yeah, yeah, no. It's All right. Not, like, whenever you see it,
0: I already forgot about what you just said. So, <laughs> like, that's right. the way my mind works. That's the why I don't really mind trailers too much. Because, even if you tell me everything, like, if I'm, if I'm at a certain level of disengagement, not that you guys aren't engaged to listen to, but
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: if I'm, if I'm at a certain level of like, I don't want to hear this. I'm not really listening. Then I'll just forget about it. Yeah, That's oh, yeah. Cool. The, way, the way my brain works.
3: <laughs> that's convenient.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs>
3: but anyway, TJ, were you saying something?
2: i mean i was agreeing with you
3: especially about the parallels between the oh yeah okay good yeah all i was really saying is that i feel like it's kind of like it's kind of like suggesting like this wasn't really ever about the kids it was about like your egos and it was about like your insecurities and it was about you know what i mean like it 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 was it's about like the own like your own projections as to like the way expectations are supposed to be filling. like not about like you know anyway that's just the way i saw it um but oh, yeah uh, I, I, yeah we're in sync on that one i think can i yeah can i just say
0: something in the interest of time considering uh, it seems like you guys are sort of done with force majeure
3: or mm-hmm. uh yeah there was one little oh, go ahead i want to minute no it's just i thought that the scene was absolutely hilarious when they're in that like when he's in that like rave y- um. yes. <laughs> yeah yeah <Sure. laughs> i'm excited to okay. see a
0: rave scene in a in okay. an art uh, house it, film
3: it, yeah. an equally great
2: hilarious scene is when they're sitting yes. with the, with the yes.
3: aviators Yes. I was that's the other one I was gonna mention. Deeply, deeply uncomfortable scene. Yes. Oh yeah.
2: Okay. I gosh. mean again these are all vague, but I mean I think yeah. we're in sync on this
3: one. That, those are just the two ones I wanted to throw out there. But I'm dumb with oh, yeah. this one. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: right. Let me yeah. just say The Hunger Games Mockingjay J Part One is pretty good. Big Hero Six is pretty good. And Sion Sono's new film, Why Don't You Play in Hell, which is a real movie that a real Japanese film is pretty good there are my reviews for all of them damn
3: cool Bam. yeah and i'm gonna see probably all of those probably even the Sion sona one because i want to get into him but cool. i obviously don't have anything to say about him now anyway so i think the brief the brevity is probably appropriate for now all right so
0: um tj you Rose? have a couple i have a couple yeah. you have a couple of quick ones too so
3: yeah
2: uh, uh rosewater is okay uh i wouldn't just say, go out of your way to see it. John um, Stewart's directorial yes, debut. Yes. Yeah. Uh, starring the great Gael Garcia Bernal, but Who not a, one...
0: who's, not, who's not Iranian, and that kind of that somewhat bugs me, to be honest. Well, the, but but
2: the but the person he's playing like 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 was a huge fan of the casting, so I feel yeah. like that affects yeah affects it. But, but but I totally get what you're saying. It goes yeah. with what really Scott just said, where Mohammed so and so and whatnot. Oh, it kinda, yeah.
0: It, it kind of makes me think though, like uh, when stuff like this happens, it almost makes you think. Well, there's a lot of there's probably a lot of great Middle Eastern actors that
1: oh, that, yeah.
0: that need the, need the work honestly. And this isn't this isn't really sold as a Gail Garcia Bernal movie. It's sold as you know John Stewart's directorial debut and you know Gil doesn't no, really. you saying. So it's Gail though, Garcia Bernal doesn't really yeah. open movies. So it's not like it, it, it's not like he, it's not like they casted him oh because we need a star or anything. So I, I don't know. That, that's of... a little that's a little thing.
2: But but maybe I'm part of the problem because like the fact that he starred in it was the reason I saw it essentially like okay like it can't be terrible because he's in it like right. it was
0: it, like that was my thinking. I saw uh, like li- li- like you you just saw Lucas Musson's new film We Are the Best. Yes, I saw his previous film a few years ago for a class called Mammoth. Oh,
1: interesting.
0: Um, uh, that had Gail Garcia starred Gail Garcia Bernal and Michelle oh, wow. Williams. That that movie was all about globalization and its big effects on the world, and it's so head-on and heavy-handed, and I really oh. couldn't stand it at all. So, yeah, he, even if Gil Garcia Bernal's in a movie, it can still potentially be bad.
2: Oh no, I agree, but 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 he's just an actor I always admire. Like 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 Hit, Hit No was a great
3: movie. I don't oh like, no, is yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: But um, oh,
3: any yeah. two. I moment, haven't seen it yet, but I'd love to. But I will say.
2: The second half, of Ro- the last 30 minutes of Rosewater is, are very good. And there's even a transcendent moment involving Leonard Cohen's song. And wow. I just asked myself, Stuart, why didn't you use this lighter touch, this more interesting like way of filming throughout the entire movie? Because it, it's all big issues for about an hour and then like 40 yeah. minutes uh, uh, of interesting, well done. Light, surprisingly light drama. And I just really appreciated yeah. the end. But the movie is, is by the numbers. And speaking of by the numbers. uh, (laughs) uh, Well, which is funny on many levels. Um, uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Fucking Theory of Everything. I I, I dislike it every second that passes between me and that movie. Like, I feel like that movie, like, kind of like with Interstellar, where, like, you age when you get closer to a black hole. Like, Like, I feel like. My, my disrespect for that movie just grows, but the movie still exists where it always did. So maybe I'm, like, distorting how bad the movie is. Both but... movies involve black holes, believe it or not. I know, uh, yes, it, it, and uh, and the character and the physicist who helped uh, fact-check the science in Interstellar, uh, Rip uh, Thorne. No, not not Thorne. Rip Thorne. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, Rip Taylor? Kip Thorne? uh <laughs> oh, man, I... Uh, I think it's Well, Kip the physicist Thorne. who did that is the person who sends the penthouse... Well, you guys haven't seen the movie. The
3: scientific uh, consultant or something like that. Yes. It's Kip it, Thorne, by the way,
2: yeah. Kip Thorne, thank you, is referenced in uh, <laughs> with, a, with a sort of funny uh, penthouse uh, magazine trade uh, side plot of the movie, and I just laughed because this has been such a weird year for math movies. <laughs> yeah. But...
0: Even Big Big
2: Hero 6 is very pro-science. And Imitation Game supposedly is too. So so I don't know know what's in the air, but it's there. Here's the thing. Theory of Everything is by the numbers. It's typical on every single level. It hits every Oscar contender uh, sweet spot that there is to hit in ways that is quite well made. It has very good performances by Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. However, there's more affectation than actual performance in my opinion a little bit when it comes to a very 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 um stephen hawking uh, like a great imitation of stephen hawking but i don't feel like it's as nuanced as it could be and that's a lot of
0: that's kind of like meryl streep and the iron lady
2: yes exactly which is a bad
0: movie for multiple reasons but you know but because of the thing
2: is is that theory of everything is like even like all these like cinematography and and score, uh, like, they're pretty, but they're yeah. inconsistently used, and there's no, they're not adding anything to the to the story other than to make you feel something. And it's yeah. not even something deep. It's something like you've seen. It's just with characters you know exist in the real world, so it makes you care more. This is the kind of movie my mom would love because she likes yeah. stories about real people. And that, does, yeah. that doesn't mean it's, it, it's a greatest hits biopic. It hits all the <laughs> big moments of his life. And even when there's interesting drama between the characters, in like you know the eventual um, divorce, uh, spoiler alert, but it's history, so who cares? Uh, that that the two characters feel, it feels like it's nuanced and adult, but it then has to go back and remind you about how nuanced and adult it thinks it is. And, and, then, <laughs> oh and, and, my. and then, and then when you get to the the climax where he gives a speech, and every he has a standing ovation. You can't do that. You cannot do that. <laughs> And make me think that I'm going to never make me- happens
0: in Whiplash. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Down so, to
0: theory- the last second of the movie, that does not happen. Yes.
2: Yeah. Theory. Theory of everything is going to be nominated for best picture, and I'm going to champion against it
1: <laughs>
2: because because I care too much about stupid things, and it's it's wor- it's worse than <laughs> it's worse than um than uh the movie we talked about before we started recording, uh, the musical. Lame as a Rob.
0: It That's that's fighting words right there.
2: <laughs> it, it it would be the worst best picture nominee because it's so boring. Since incredibly loud or extremely close or who cares? Oh, I hate that
0: movie <laughs> so much. I hate that movie so fucking much.
2: <laughs> or the blind side, which I haven't seen, but I know it's terrible because that's yeah. just a, yeah. Oh god, now, just a fact of life. Like those are to me, those are some of the like ever since we've gone to ten nominees for the Oscars, those are the worst. Yes. Even though I haven't seen one, so shame on me. But <laughs> who cares? This movie would join that not because it's poorly made, but because it's cynically made to win awards.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm. And it seems like um you, you know, uh, part of the marketing I've seen of this movie or at least just it, it this was in this where it was in a couple of reviews that when mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking saw this film, he cried. And mm-hmm. I I don't deny that he probably got had an a, a serious emotional reaction out of it, but here's the thing: if someone made a movie about my life and portrayed me in, I'm assuming, as positive of a light as as this movie does Stephen Hawking, I mean, I'm I'm assuming this doesn't really highlight a lot of the dark aspects of his life.
2: Um, Other than he likes nudie magazines, there's not one thing supposed yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be interpreting as. Yeah. negative.
0: I'm I'm willing to guess that if I saw that movie. Even though I have ALS, I'd be pretty happy with
2: myself. Yeah. So let's yeah. be real. <laughs> so good for Stephen Hawking. Yes. Uh, who is a very remarkable character, but it makes so me want to watch um, the, uh, the, the documentary that Errol Morris made on yeah. his book.
0: And
3: honestly, if, oh, uh, if I'm going to see him. Time. Yes, I do want to see the documentary
0: honestly, if I'm going to see a movie about Stephen Hawking, I want to learn about the science. And I want yeah. to learn about what he actually did. And I feel like – I mean I haven't seen this movie. Frankly, I don't really want to. Um, it just seems like it reduces him to a symbol of overcoming um, uh, adversity or something like that. Mm. And I'm, I'm really – I don't like biopics that do that. Like I was trying to, you mentioned you would recommend this to your mom. I was trying to explain to my grandma why I didn't really want to see this movie. When she didn't really understand what I was saying, and I think she's definitely in the camp of you know, like you said, your mom that like so- likes movies about real people, and likes you know triumphant and inspiring movies. And 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 I get that. I get, I get that people want to feel that with movies. I had the same thing. But except, I I, I want to see really dark and, <laughs> and, I, and and obscure shit. You know, I have that same type of hunger. That's what I want from a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't really look to a movie to get inspired, especially by someone that did so many great scientific accomplishments that this movie probably doesn't tell you anything
3: about.
2: Instead of seeing this movie, I recommend a movie I have not seen, which I've, is is that documentary that, that 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 Danny said, A Brief History of Time. Or if you want a great biopic that isn't just this trite. See The Wind Rises. Yeah. Totally,
0: oh, yeah. Anyways, so we're on 2.14. This seems to have gone longer than any of us would,
2: would have liked.
0: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully...
2: I mean, just because we have so much to talk well, about. Yeah
0: we, oh, yeah, yeah, we have so much to talk about because we have And they're all good movies except for
2: theory, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, does anyone have any DVD picks?
2: Yes, right Uh, though? Pressburger. Uh, Powell and Pressburger are amazing. See The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. See The Red Shoes and see Black narcissists. they're all necessary cinema. They're amazing.
0: Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Danny, do you have anything or you just want to go? Uh, I, I don't know. Do you have anything? Just give me a second. Um, yeah, I, I have something. I'll just say it really quick. Um, I saw um, uh, Chai Ming Lang's The Hole. I, just, I think that's how, it, how his name is pronounced. I really it's want to see that. Maybe. Spelled T-S-A-I dash Ming Lang. Um, Taiwanese filmmaker. This is the third film I've seen of his Possibly my favorite, and um, it's a it, it, it's about uh, uh, two people in, the, in an apartment complex, one upstairs neighbor, a downstairs neighbor, and there's a hole in the ceiling connect – well, in the floor of the upstairs neighbor and the ceiling of the downstairs neighbor connecting them. And that's the impetus of the drama, quote, drama. Um, mm. But at the same time, there's an an epidemic going around, and they happen to be living in, in the quarantined area where they might lose their power or running water at any time. And at, at the same time, there's also, believe it or not, musical sequences featuring songs
1: about
0: that. Uh, featuring the songs of an older Japanese or no, I'm sorry, an older Chinese uh, Chinese singer named uh, Grace Chang, I believe her name is, hmm. Um and, and they're really good songs I legitimately I was kind of humming them by the time the, by the time they were over and um some of them are done in in chai's traditional sort of one take style, but a lot of them aren't, and that's kind of surprising to see that he was that he was a director that well i say was but he's still alive <laughs> that he's a director that is willing to um Change up his style, which is his style is usually just from what I what I what I know. It's usually just you know point a camera at something and stay there for five minutes. <laughs> that's kind of his thing, and I kind of dig that. I'm really excited to see his new movie, which um, will probably never screen in L.A., which which is sad, but it comes out on Blu-ray early January, so I'm gonna see that. So. But that's my recommendation. Chiming Lang's
3: the whole. Cool. Yeah, I've actually been playing a that guy for a while, so I'll definitely be checking it out eventually. Um I, instead of a recommendation I'll just brag that I saw Blade Runner in theaters. Nice. Uh, super did. Awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it was it was uh, beautiful, beautiful.
0: That's really cool. That
3: yeah. All right, so thank
0: you for listening to this very long podcast and all of our my ram our rambly thoughts. Well, I, I was mostly rambly. Everyone else is really coherent. Um <laughs> Uh, all of our thoughts on all these various, various films, um, please, uh, take some time to subscribe or to follow, follow Speakers and Screens at speakerscreens.tumblr.com. Spot, um, subscribe to us on iTunes if you, if you dig that, um, we're on Speakers, Speakers Screens podcast, Speakers dash, um, I'm sorry, Speakers slash slash screens, uh, be sure to subscribe and leave leave a good review too, because that helps the placement of the podcast. Um, and considering we're a monthly podcast, we don't really update as often as we should. But anyways, and enjoy all that good stuff. And uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Yeah.
1: Bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>